Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number nine of the Audible Farm podcast. I am your host. My name is Peter Stockdale. This week, I sit down with Scott Dahl. He's an Iowa rock and roll Hall of Fame drummer from around the area. He's played with a handful of bands, including the Chris Carr Band, Ned Freely Fun Band, Seldom Seen, and the Fabulous Uniques, who is the band that he got the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nod for. So that's a pretty cool honor for him. Everybody, I'm pretty excited about this one. We sat down and we talked about a handful of things. Uh, We talked about buying instruments on Craigslist. Uh, We talked about how he first started playing the drums. Uh, We talk about a ton of things in here. I mean, it's a two-hour podcast, so uh, just sit down, relax, enjoy the thing. Hopefully, you're uh, headed to a show this weekend, so that would be pretty cool. Um, I mean, I've got a couple shows I'm going to this weekend, including playing in one. So, uh, come on out, check them out. If, uh, if you want to come out this weekend, uh, pop this on while you drive down to the Des Moines area and check us out more info on all that stuff in the end of the podcast. But this is episode number nine, Scott Dahl. We sit down, we talk about a ton of things. I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did because man, it's, it was a good one. So check it out. Thanks everybody. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host, Peter Stockdale. I'm sitting down with Scott Dahl of a plethora of bands. I guess we can kind of plow through them in the podcast here. Uh, Drummer uh, from the Humboldt area. Uh, You play the drums. Is that what you first started out with or... I started, uh, obviously, when I was a kid, I used to, go, my parents used to take me to local ballrooms and and uh, I'd sit and watch the bands while they were out dancing and I got my first, you know, I had a couple of toy kits when I was a little kid, got my first drum kit when I was age 11. All right. So, uh, was it just like a gift or was it something that you like were kind of bugging your parents about? Oh, or I was, did you buy I was using the pots and pans and had torn, <laughs> torn through those two toy kits pretty hard and they knew what I wanted to do, so... Uh, my dad had passed away in August, and and for Christmas that year, my mom got me a my first drum kit, which we you know she couldn't afford much, so yeah. What and I still have that drum kit in the other room. What kind of drum kit was it? It was an old Royce kit. All right. um, Royce used to be a fairly popular name. It's not really anymore, but uh, um, when when she got it, it was what she could afford. It was a used kit from another another guy here in town. That and yeah. I was age eleven. Hell, I was ecstatic. To yeah, no kidding. I would have I would been happy with anything like that when I was at a young age. I mean. When I first started playing instruments, I, I picked up, uh, somebody had bought uh, an acoustic guitar build-it-yourself kit, and, yep. they, and they built it themselves, and it was one of my uncles, I believe, and it was at my grandma's house, and I was like, oh, I want to try playing this, and of course, it's not the greatest instrument, but it's it's kind of what I first started learning on, and because I learned on that, kind of the same situation, my parents bought me a guitar for Christmas. So. But I think you said last week that you sold that, right? Or you got uh, yeah, I did yeah. end up selling that guitar, actually. Um, it's kind of a bummer, but, uh, you know... You know, I've I've often thought, do I want to, do I want to keep this old blue junk Royce kit? I don't play it; it's just sitting there on the shelf, and but uh, I can count it as one of my many. So yeah, and I mean, what's the value of it? I guess street value for it. I, I mean, couldn't get fifty yeah, bucks out of it. Yeah, okay. So like, I guess the sentimental value is definitely yes quite a bit higher than the the street value of the instrument. Have have you ever just busted it out and set it up? Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I actually when I when I go jam with with bands or when I go to a practice or something like that, I'll take it along and and uh, I used to practice quite a few times with Ned Freely with it. But uh, no way. 
So it still sounds really good. You get it all. Oh yeah, with new heads and everything. Well, I don't have new heads on it, but their heads aren't aren't destroyed on it. Oh, they're cool. not, uh, you know, they're not so so tore up that they're that they're junk or anything like that. But if I'm going to use it, I'm just going to go out and use it for a practice two or three hours or something like that. That's actually really awesome. I don't know too many people that still have the first instrument they played and actually still use it. You know, yep. like that's it's actually kind of kind of heartwarming, I guess. Well, the heads on it probably haven't cha- been changed in probably twenty years, <laughs> but still, I don't. I'm not using it, but once once a year, or, yeah, you know, something like that. So yeah, it makes sense. All right, so you start you start playing the drums. Your parents got you a kit. What kind of kicked off the obsession with playing the drums? Because I would definitely say if if someone around the area has the obsession with playing the drums, it's definitely you. Well, it's uh, like I said when I was when I was a little kid. My dad was a bartender over in the Rutland area, and uh, as a kid, I would you know hang around and um, used to be a, somebody in in the Rutland area named Roxy Gregory that played for a couple bands. All right, and she actually owned the bar, okay. and she left her drum kit set up in the bar. Oh, that's up neat. on the stage. So we'd go down on a Sunday afternoon, and Dad would be cleaning or something like that, and and I'd jump up and mess around on the drum kit. That's pretty awesome. So they knew I had the the desire. Yep. And uh, between that and and uh, every time we'd go to a ballroom or like things, these are way past your era, but the Livermore <laughs> Ballroom or Rosie's DMT or something like that, I would always be sitting there staring at the band yeah. and watching what was going on. And just that's how I came to. That's kind of crazy. Do you think it just has something to do with the availability of a drum kit always sitting there? Do you maybe think that has oh, something 100%. to do with it? Oh, 100%. All right. Like, I always kind of wondered what made people who play certain instruments choose the instruments, you know? And, like, I guess mine, availability of a guitar, There was that was just the only thing that I saw sitting there. So that's what yep. I, I learned. And, I mean, my sister played the piano, and she still does to an extent. But, like, I didn't want to choose the piano. Uh, I've always wanted to to learn to play the piano or, or guitar. I own a couple guitars, as you saw, but I can play bass, but I can't read music. I don't know notes. I don't know the first thing about it. I play by ear. Yeah. Um, uh, I know that one time, heck, it's been 15 years ago, I was down here in a basement reading a, uh, a book, to, you know, how to chord and things like that, and I played like three chords, and and I was, Deb was upstairs, and she could hear me up, up there, and she comes down pouncing down the steps and goes in the door and she says, I hate you <laughs> because I was just sitting there teaching myself how to do it. That's My cr- problem was I never did it again. It was that one time and Aww. I've never sat down and learned it again and I kicked myself. I could learn piano right now. I could learn guitar. I just don't have the the willpower to sit down and do it. Yeah. I mean, maybe or free time with all the bands you're in and <laughs> yeah, stuff. Could be too. It. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, I guess you, you could say you definitely do have the interest in playing like other instruments. Well, if you had the time, you definitely yeah. would. I do have a couple of bass guitars that I do mess around with once in a while. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I can follow an easy 145, you know. The stuff that I listen to is completely different than what you're used to. Yeah, I, so I mean, I get it. I I mean, I've played the Rock and Picnic, so, I mean, I, I totally get it. That's It's not like it's too far away f- from like the blues kind of stuff I play. Yeah. So it's, I mean, we're in the same ballpark there somewhat. Well, I, I like the, you, you mentioned the blues. I like to, people say, well, what do you know? How do you know your music? Well, I'm a, I'm a lover of traditional honky-tonk music. Yeah. The old Texas swing stuff, you know, the, um, not really the Bob Will stuff, but the old Waylon. I mean, I'm an old mm-hmm. uh, hardcore Waylon outlaw fan. But at the same time, I'm probably the only guy you'll ever meet that saw Stevie Ray Vaughan live twice. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, my wife and I were big Stevie Ray fan, Stevie Ray fans back in the mid '80s, uh, up until when he passed away. And uh, 
that was a that was a dream at one time to maybe jam with him one day, and then that went right in that shitter. Man, that's that's pretty sweet though. Like I, it was one of those deals when I f- first started playing guitar again and figuring out like what I was doing. I took to the blues pretty hard, and I was like, man, Stevie Ray Vaughan, that would have been something to to see live because the guy just always seemed to be on no matter yep. what he was doing. We saw him one night at uh, we saw him at the State Fair with Greg Allman was the opener. And we also saw him uh, prior to that at the Civic Center in Des Moines. And Blackfoot was the opener. And at the time, I had no clue That's who Blackfoot sweet. was. Awesome. But I, I mean, obviously know who they are yeah, now. But They, they got popular for, I mean, covering Train yeah, Train. Train Train, yep. yep. Um, but uh, then Stevie Ray came out, and it was uh, him and Chris and Tommy and, and Reese Winans. And, and he comes out, and he says, I'm sorry, folks, but um, I'm having some bouts with laryngitis i can't sing i'm just gonna have to play guitar for you all night and the place went livid just <laughs> crazy <laughs> so uh who are some of your favorite drummers i guess then like what what do you think let me let me ask you this question um as me a non-drummer what would you say your drumming style is let me ask you that like um i, I don't have a clue you don't have a clue you no know, people talk about you know like neil pert and yeah buddy rich and all that I, i'm not a i'm just not a nostalgic uh I don't know anybody that yeah that is a great drummer. You know, yeah. You just um, just like playing, I guess. I just like playing. I I I have like I said, I've got this this uh, this honky tonk attitude that you know the the harder and louder I play, and and the more more I can rap on the bell of the cymbal and snap the snare real hard and yeah and thump the kick. That's what I want to do. So have you? Did you ever get any lessons then to learn how to play the drums at all? No, I can't read music. Can't never had a lesson in my life. So you never had anybody sit down and be like, play it like this instead, or no, no. That's uh, up until I met Chris Carr. Yeah. Um, well, what's what's up with that then? Well, no, Chris. Uh, another long story. Uh, you know, I had I had known Chris through a couple of jams. <coughs> Pardon me. Nope. Yep. I had known Chris through a couple of jams up in Havelock area, and and we'd sat and talked, and I've always tried to I always try to stay humble. Yeah, uh, understanding that I'm not good, uh, I, you know I, I can do what I can do, and that's about it. <laughs> and Chris would always, you know, when we're sitting there, I didn't know him, but he'd keep telling me, "Oh, don't be that way. Don't be you know, you're good and all that." And yep. So I went to this has been uh, two years ago this summer. I was going to a show in Eagle Grove over at the Rails Bar. Well, it turns out that I was there the wrong night. Okay. So on the way home, I'm thinking, well, I heard that there was a bar or a, a band at this place in Badger. Um, mm-hmm. Knuckleheads, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, I think that's right. So I go, well, I'll just swing in there and see what happens. And mm-hmm. I walk in the door, and I no more than step foot in the place, and I see Chris, and like within five seconds, he's right in my face. <laughs> and I don't know Chris that well yet. Yep. He says, we got to talk. <laughs> I'm thinking, what the hell? What did I do? I know that I play with a couple bands. Maybe he's pissed about something. And yeah. he says, how many bands do you play with? I said, well, I've got a couple of uniques. It's seldom seen. And I've been working this Ned Freely thing. Yep. He says, let's go out back. And I'm thinking, God, he's going to kick my ass right here. <laughs> he's going to poke me in the nose. And I'm going to go home with with uh, blood on my shirt. <laughs> no, that wasn't the case. He was... Uh, he was kind of in between with his group, the Chris Carr band. He was in between. Uh, I think something had happened where he his drummer couldn't couldn't make the the, tri- the trips anymore, and mm-hmm. and he said, "I want to want to give you a tryout." Yeah, I thought, "Well, shit." Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. To me, that I've played with, uh, and I'm not trying to bash anybody that I've played with all my life. Oh yeah, but the talent level 
was a step up when I started playing with Chris and and uh, Bruce and Brad and and Jeff. Yep. I had to I had to sh- get my shit straight. I yeah, I mean, I feel kind of the same way uh going I mean, it's kind of a different mode of yeah, thing. Yeah, unity and Yeah, like I went from three finger Betty which is mostly power chords and I I can like jump around and move on stage. And if you look at a picture of me playing in Unity, any of them online, I am concentrating so hard. I don't yes. look like I'm having any goddamn fun. Uh-huh. So, I mean, but it's just one of those things you got to step your game up when you show up to the big show, That's you know. That's exactly right. I I learned that you know, I've I've been playing covers, you know, all my life. That's all I ever did. I don't know how to write a song or or create music, you know. I just yeah. cover what everybody else has done. But when it came to playing with Chris, first thing we did was he, you know, he shows me these 10 or 15 originals that he's been doing and mm-hmm. I got to come home and study. <laughs> I got to take notes. I got to find out what the counts are and find out where the breaks are at, where the the crashes and 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 make sure that everything's the way he wants it to be. Yeah, cuz cuz Chris is not only just a musician and a songwriter. Correct. He's he's a good musician and songwriter. I mean, there's that there's no shit. there's a a big line to be drawn between the two. Um, that's one reason that I don't write too much of my own music because I'm not necessarily the greatest songwriter. So I just kind of keep it all to myself. But yeah, there. I mean, I can imagine that some of his music isn't necessarily um, super technical, but you might have uh, you do have spots where you guys all. Um, even on cover songs, you guys all stop and then start on on certain spots, and yes. you get that nice hanging beat of silence, yep. which I think is something that's so important in music. Um, I don't get to hear too much of that with well, uh, the shows I go to. You know, uh, with Chris, even the covers that that he has uh, that that he's decided to do are not regular covers. No, you know, whether it be the Eagles tunes or you know, uh, he's got a Beatles song or two in there. Beatles songs, yeah. We're not doing them the way those guys did. No, we do them Chris's way. Exactly, and it's it's nice. I gotta I gotta mention it again. I d- I mentioned it on the Jeff Blummel podcast. The the kazoos. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. probably one of my favorite things I think I've ever seen in a show. Live. It just makes me smile every time I see it, and that's it's just one of those things when I see you guys live. I always just wait for it and wait for it. Well, I'm like you. The first time I heard him doing that, I thought, "What kind of corny shit is this? What am I getting into?" But no, it works. Yeah, it uh, is. Uh, it fits, and it makes the it, tune. And that's the craziest part: is it fits. It fits so well. Yeah. And uh, it's not something that you would think would fit, but uh, it's like one of those things. As soon as, if you got people, you're playing at like a winery or a wine walk or something like that, yep. and and people not, I'm not, nothing against you, but people aren't necessarily paying attention to you 100. percent That's so right. So they're kind of walking around, and then all of a sudden, I oh, know this song. Holy cow! What is that? They turn and look, and they're like. Oh, that sounds good too, and yep. that's that's the best part about it because it's it's almost shocking to lure you in, yep. and then it's good on top of that. Well, I was feeling left out, so about I don't know three months ago, I bought a couple of cheap one dollar, two dollar kazoo's. Over, yeah. I think I was in Sioux City or somewhere, and uh, I'll tell you, I don't know how to play the damn thing. I can't make the I can't make the noise. Can't do it. <laughs> really? Can't do it. You just gotta go do yeah do through it. So I think I'll just sit back and watch the other guys. And <laughs> oh man! So uh, you joined up with. Uh, Chris and the Chris Car Band, and yeah. uh, just over two years ago, I think it was middle of August. Is that is that really all the longer you've been with them? That's it, man. Holy cow, man! I, I can't believe that. That's that's yeah. kind of crazy. I guess yeah, just I, over two I, years. I feel like you've been with them. It seems like forever. And it, it was funny because I met him on a on a Friday night, and he said, "Hey, we're playing. Uh, he's doing a single out at the winery uh, mm-hmm. out here at the at the museum. Pardon me, not the winery, at the museum out here in Humboldt for the wine walk thing. Yep. And this was two years ago this summer. Yep." He says, hey, come on out, and, and, and you can learn a couple songs, watch and listen. And then that night, we're playing at the street down here at uh, the Prowler, I think it is. Yep. 
and you can play with us that night. I'm thinking, well, uh, that gives me, what, six days to learn your material? And I've never heard any of it, so I go and I listen to the wine walk or the wine the winery thing, mm-hmm. the museum thing, and I learn a few songs, but yeah, it doesn't really help because it's all acoustic. Yeah. So we go downtown four hours later, and I set up my equipment on on the street, and and uh, I think I did a decent job of keeping up with what they had. A lot of the some of the songs I'd, um, for instance, uh, I don't even know who sings it. Shine, the tune Shine. I don't know. You have to. You don't know it. what it's a. Nope. Uh, I don't know. I, I have no clue. Collective Soul, maybe? I don't know. Sure. I don't know who sings yeah, it. Yeah, if it's 90s alternative, that's, yeah. not, that's not my area. Anyway, they said, let's do that. And I'm thinking, dude, I don't know that I've ever heard this song, let alone played it. And I, once they started into it, I realized, okay, I have heard it. Now I've got to guess what I need to do all the way through it. Yep. Worked out just great. Yeah. Worked out fine. Actually, that was, I want to say I was there at that show at the Prowler because, was that a summertime show? Summertime outside on the street. Oh, man. Um, Believe it or not, I want to say that was one of my class reunions that could have been. Day, and a whole bunch of us ended up at the Prowler that night to see you guys. I mean, maybe not specifically to see you guys, because yep. that's class reunion stuff. Well, that was the very first, uh, that was my, uh, uh, the very first night I played with Chris, and there was no warm-up, no, no, no tapes to go listen to or nothing. It was just, hey, let's go play and... Yeah, because you, were you guys out on the street that night? Yep. Uh, they opened up the garage doors and they put you kind of halfway out on the street there? Yep. Yeah, were. I was at that show, so yep. that, that's actually pretty wild. I didn't know that was your first show. Um, what about like Ned Freely Fun Band? Ned Freely Fun Band, uh, it's uh, it's a different thing, uh, and I'll, I'll go into this uh, with with Chris Carr. Um, although I'm I'm part of the band, we're five guys as one group, and that's one yep. thing is is we are one. Yep. Even though I I, I joke with them, say hey thanks, you know thanks for hiring me, and I appreciate <laughs> being the hired hand, and and uh, the difference between that. And the Ned Freely Fun Band is the Ned Freely Fun Band is um, I'm I'm so much more involved in what's going on with the band. Yeah, um, I did some I did some looking today at the song list. We've got like uh, we had at one time we were up to ninety six tunes. Jeez, and I was singing seventy two of them. <laughs> Holy cow! So you know that's a good percentage. That's seventy uh, something I think percent or something. Yeah, I guess that's something I've passed off uh, in mentioning. You do do a fair amount of singing. Yeah, and that's what I love about Ned, being with Ned Freely is they allow me, they they humor me when I come up with all these new ideas. You know, we're doing, uh, we'll do everything from uh, Buck Owens tune one one minute to right. uh, Bad Company, or right. you know, I'll do a Mississippi Queen with uh, you know Mountain, yep. and these guys, Donnie Wagner, Eldon Landolt, Steve Curry, and Jack Diamond from Algona. Yep, um, I'm 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 the youngest of all of them. I'm 52, and they're all. Donnie Wagner's, I think, seventy nine years old. Wow. Eldon is almost, I believe, seventy five. Forgive me, guys, if 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 I'm lying. But they're out at that age. They're playing Mountain and and yeah, yeah, Leonard Skinner yeah. and and yeah, uh, no kidding. Uh, you know the Doobie Brothers and stuff. And and we're just out to play music. Now we got two jobs this weekend. We got a job Friday night in Bode uh, at the Red Lantern, and we're gonna play. All of our rock and roll stuff, and hit them hard, and awesome. you know, smack them in the mouth, and leave, leave them <laughs> gasping for air. And then Saturday night, we're going to play in Algona for a dance show. All right, and try to do all of our dance music, which is a completely. Oh, that's, that's that's why we have ninety six tunes. Yeah, exactly. We can play for the rockers one night, and the dancers the next, and. Oh, that's pretty sweet. So you got two shows coming up with them. Um, I guess before we pass too far past the Chris Carr band, do you got any shows coming up with them? Um, playing uh, the night before Thanksgiving, which will be the. What was this twenty third? Maybe I'm um, not sure. I'll look. I'll look it up here. 
Uh, anyway, I'm playing the night before Thanksgiving at Sneakers Bar in uh, or Sneakers Pub. Yeah, Sneakers. I think it's is it like Sneakers Eatery and Pub or is it? I believe uh, so. Anyway, it's in Fort Dodge. It's a nice little place. The food is great, and um, they put the band on the west wall in there. And oh, uh, that'd be the 21st. Would be the 21st. Wednesday for that show. Um. Anyway, we get in there and we we take up the west wall, but we've been in there twice before, and both times it is standing room only. Yeah. I mean, packed. I, I, I definitely love the fact that you guys have the ability to um, use a lot of lights and um, things like that without ever seeming too flashy. I don't know how you guys pull that off, but it's... Um, he's got a uh, Chauvet light system that he sells, um, the, he sells the brand through his store there. But so he comes with the, some nice selection of lights, uh, all remote. <coughs> Pardon me again. Yep. They sit down, you know, he puts a couple beside the drum kits to make me look good. Yeah. And um, uh, he just, he knows his lights. Now, yeah. I used to play with a group probably four or five years ago, a couple of guys up around uh, Lorenz. We just, we tried getting together. We played four or five jobs and it just, the chemi- chemistry wasn't there. It, it's it was tough. really not it's tough, there. Yeah. Anyway, we they had uh, one of the guys, one of their wives kept saying, well, you got to buy lights. You got to get some lights. And I, and I told her, I, was, I play drums. I don't play lights. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, that that could is like somewhat of a full time gig if you want to turn it in, turn yeah. it into something. Is be have somebody run the lights because I mean that's I guess that's one of the reasons I don't drag lights anywhere because it's I'm dragging all my gear everywhere. I don't <laughs> got it, I don't got any room for it. No, I, got, I agree. You can't do a show without some sort of lighting, but it doesn't have to be fancy and doesn't have to be a thousand dollars worth of equipment. You know exactly. Um, luckily, like with Ned Freely, uh, one of the members owns a lot of the stuff. Jack Diamond owns a lot of equipment. Sound. Sound and lights. and oh, that's awesome. And, uh, we had been uh, using a lot of stuff on loan from a guy named Kirk Hundermark. I used to do sound for the Fabulous Uniques. Oh, nice. So he has all this PA equipment and, and light stuff and was more than happy to let us borrow it. Um, thanks, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got us, got us through that era. So That's pretty sweet. So uh, you got the... F- Ned Freely fun band, and you do like um, a wide variety of kind of cover band or cover tunes from, yep. I guess you would call it, uh, let's call it like 80s rockish type yep. stuff, all the way back to what are you going to call it, 60s ish? Yeah. You know, so that's. I got a couple Beatles tunes we cover in there. That's pretty sweet. I mean, I guess that that is kind of the ideal thing if you want to do it for a, a cover band. It's almost like. Um, like a retro styling of way to do it. The cover bands of of back in the day used to seem like they covered everything. And nowadays cover bands kind of seem to niche themselves off a little bit, it seems like. Well, when they, um, they, the band was together, Eldon and and Donnie and Jack were together and they called themselves Faded Glory for a while before I joined in with them. Yep. And um, when I joined them, I told them I'll do it on one condition and that is A, that I don't do songs I'm doing with other bands because I I want it to be as a release or a you know an out yep. to not do all the stuff I'm doing everywhere else exactly and B I want to do a lot of songs and like I just said we're gonna do two two shows this weekend and we're gonna do you know I imagine we'll do four or five of the same maybe ten of the same you know both nights but um we'll be playing loud on on Friday night and mm-hmm. and mellow on Saturday nights so. yeah and I mean that's you got to know your situation for that too because i feel like sometimes you go to places like i don't know i played a show not too long ago and it seems like you run into a situation where the, sh- the building's small and there's not many people there and someone just says i don't care i'm gonna crank it up to a million and it's like you don't really need to especially no. especially if nobody's here you know like just kind of play your music and and enjoy it but 
I was. There I, is a point where if it's too loud, it's not enjoyable anymore. I definitely will have to agree with that. Uh, I went to a show Friday night in Des Moines, uh, a Whitey Morgan show. It's kind of an outlaw country dude. Yep. Um, I just call it badass country. But anyway, <laughs> he come out and and uh, Alex Williams was the opening show, and I couldn't hardly hear the lyrics. It was just so quiet and muffled. But we're looking at at Woolies, which you've been. Yep. I swear there had to be five, six hundred people in there. Yeah, place. It, it was crazy. packed. It gets packed pretty quick too. They do a really good job of promoting. Yeah. So anyway, then too. the the star comes out, or Whitey, and finally I can hear the I can hear the leads and I can hear the lyrics and all that. And I looked at Deb and I says, "Man, this is is not loud at all." Yeah, it was, we were you know if if on a scale of one to ten, they were probably running five or six or maybe seven, and they could have run eight or nine, and I'd have been happy. So yeah. Oh, uh, let's see here. So we we've we went over a few of the cover bands you've got you got going for you. We didn't mention uh, Seldom Seen yet, though. What's Seldom what's Seen is a group of uh, great guys. That uh, the first actual band I ever played in was in 1980, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I was 15 years old, and I had to have my sister take me to the job because I couldn't drive yet. Mm-hmm. And we did a job out here at the country club in Humboldt. And the name of that band was Sawdust Band, and so, it was country. I mean, country. Country, all right. <laughs> we played old, old-time old country. All right. A few of the guys from that band are also in the Seldom Seen Band. And we've had, Seldom Seen Band actually started getting together, I think the last time we counted, it was like 26 years we've been doing this. Oh, wow. And we don't play regularly. Um, right now, our only regular gig is uh, Watermelon Days and Stanhope, and that's every, <laughs> once a year we're doing that, and... You know, if we can pick one or two up through the year, that's great. But it's a it's a some great musicians. Verl Tate from the Renwick area, Bob Johnson, who you may know. Yeah, I know Bob. Bob's an um, awesome guy. Bob is phenomenal. He's I, a I love you know him even though he plays fiddle and mandolin with seldom seen. Bob is the a number one best bass player I've ever met in my life. He's so good, and I feel like he needs more exposure. But I also feel like he just plays when he wants to and does what he does. Yeah, he's. I mean, absolutely. You see him over there, and his fingers aren't moving, but yet that that bass amp is just thumping loud. That, that is, that's the best kind of players where it just uh, it seems effortless, and yep. it's like I couldn't even do that if I tried. Um, another guy that uh, plays in the seldom seen is Jeff Halverson, who there aren't many steel guitar players around here, and I've I've over the last fifteen years really I've realized that I am a steel guitar lover. Yeah. I can't play it, yeah. but there's no instrument I love more than a steel guitar, and I've met some guys around the Des Moines area that. That are fabulous players lately. Yeah, but Jeff is the guy that I always come back to. Buns is the is the guy that Buns. Yeah, that was a high school nickname he had. It's stuck. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Jeff is one of the greatest. I mean, he is the greatest in Northwest Iowa. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, as on the steel guitar, he's part of the band. We've also got uh, a guy out of Polk City that we brought in. Uh, Jesse Gutierrez is is our kind of a front man, uh, lead singer. Cool. And the uh, the guitarist uh, was the late Mike Williams. He just passed away oh, this yeah, fall, yep. this this summer, yep. um, and that was a surprise to everybody. But yeah, uh, he sad. was our guitarist, and we haven't haven't even been together since the funeral. Um, we need to do it and and move forward because we're going to do it. You know, Mike would not want us to stop. Obviously, yeah. So. I I remember growing up and seeing Mike play guitar every now and then. Um, I went to the same church he did yeah. when I was growing up, so I got to see him every now and then get a guitar out and he didn't do it too much for the church but right. i i did get to see him do well, it. mike mike was one of those guys obviously i've played with a lot of good guitarists mike was good but he wasn't spectacular he was in his own he, he played what he liked to play he was a real 
uh, a big Chet Atkins fan. Yes. And he tried to do the Chet Atkins stuff, and, and he was fairly decent at that. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, he would never, he couldn't really tear it up real good because uh, his hands bothered him a lot and mm-hmm. um, with his uh, uh, his ailments that he was having. And Yeah. Uh, anyway, those those five or six guys, uh, we've been together for twenty six years, and 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 it is George Jones, Merle Haggard, mm-hmm. Conway Twitty all night long. <laughs> Conway Twitty, yeah. That's and you all. guys, hey, you guys might say, who the hell are they? But uh, like I said, I'm a traditional honky tonker, and that's what I love to do. Uh, I bet a lot of the youngins know who Conway Twitty is from Family Guy. They make a yes, they make and now here's Conway yeah, Twitty. Exactly, and that's that's the only reference they have to it, I guess, probably. Yeah. But well, understand. I'm 20 years older than you are, or whatever it is. Yeah, so. um, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of a, a young buck in the music scene as it as it goes. Anyways, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of young people in the music scene that are like about my age. But even like in Unity, I'm the youngest guy. In Three Finger Betty, I'm the youngest guy. So I am the young, the youngest guy around, and it's yep. some sometimes only by a few years. But I uh, I don't think it's too much of a hindrance. Because if I have to be honest, like I kind of came into playing music live with very, very selective music tastes. And I was kind of worried that that was going to hinder my ability to enjoy other people's music. And then I kind of, the more shows I went to, the more I realized that a lot of the bands were really good. I think a lot of it just took some perspective, maybe. Um, You go to a lot of shows and you play in front of a lot of people and you play around a lot of people and you're kind of like, man, I got to put in a lot of work. And like, these guys are putting in just as much work as I am, you know, so... And who am I to say the music I'm playing is their favorite, you know? So, so you always run into this situation of that. So you always <laughs> try and try and do your best with that. Well, that's one thing I've I've kind of, like I said, I love I love the old traditional four four country, the shuffles and that. And I was also I also love the blues. Like I said, once saw Stevie Ray a couple times live, yeah. and used to go a lot of shows down at People's Music in Ames and yep. and uh, Connie's Lounge in Des Moines, and see Tab Benoit and Sue Foley and <laughs> all those local blues, not local here, but small blues acts that tour the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to go see that a lot, and uh, you know I've I've always loved the old classic rock and roll too. I've just never been a fan of. I, I haven't listened to the radio since probably nineteen ninety. What do you listen to? Oh, it's all on flash drive now. It oh, used to be yeah. CDs and all that. Yeah, yeah. And this baby right here has got eight gig worth of music in it. And oh, nice. Yep. And uh, just put a flash drive in the back, and that's pretty awesome. I listen to what I damn well please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no kidding. You don't have to listen. Let anybody tell you what to listen to. Worst thing about radio is the song comes on, you can hear about ten seconds and hit the button. Yeah. Ten I, seconds, hit the button. Yep. I. Uh, I. I we're going to go back to country and like kind of the old Western style stuff. I've, I've been doing guitar lessons here in town for the last year or so. And uh, I don't have too many students, but I do kind of take students from like all talent scopes and yep. anything up, up until about intermediate. Cause then I'd have to send you out somewhere else if you wanted to get past that stage. But uh, I was helping a lady with uh, some of the Western, like you mix the bass line in with the guitar a little yep. bit. And I was That's trying true. to, Boom, chada, boom, chada, boom, chada. I was trying to teach her some of that and how it all kind of went because she was, she wanted to do it without finger picking and and I'm, I'm not the best at finger picking anyways. I, so I don't know if you can do it without finger picking. So yeah. um, I don't know much about it, but you, I do know that you can pull it off with a guitar pick if you really want to. But uh, if you really want to get that kind of like banjo twang, you're definitely going to need the finger picks. Yep. Um, but but yeah, I <coughs> I, I was uh, privy to playing a lot of Merle Haggard as of as of late. And, and you know what? It's actually really good because the thing I like about that music is the I feel like the lyrics actually mean something. They leave they leave like a little bit of mystery, whereas lyrics of today kind of feel like they just um, 
their the lyrics today are talking about red dirt and your your woman in your pickup truck and <laughs> yeah you know, exactly. shit like that. Yeah, I I just feel like they're too uh, straightforward with exactly what they're saying. Where I feel like a lot of the songs of older would uh, give you an open situation that try to invoke a little bit of emotion yep. as a, as opposed to just. I guess running down the same old same old things over and over again. You know what you're talking about is is to me that would be. Uh, you mentioned Merle Haggard. You know mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the mainstream Merle Haggard that here. You go you go get a box set or something or, and and listen to the other cuts. Yeah. That never made the radio. Yeah. The things like you know like oh, uh, Carolyn or um, if I could only fly. You know things that. Uh, heaven was a drink of wine you know things like those songs obviously i'm name dropping on yeah. you or song dropping on you but <laughs> i'm just telling you those are the songs that they've all got a meaning and they've got some story behind them um and it's not just writing a you know writing a song so that you can sell it on the radio exactly it's not just chugging stuff out that rhymes yeah you know and i feel like that's another thing that kind of i noticed playing a lot of older music they don't always rhyme but they don't always like i guess not rhyme you yeah. know because I've I've run into that trying to write my own lyrics too, where I feel like the rhyming scheme puts you in too much of a box, and I and I I don't know how the storyteller kind of guy has always got away without. Sometimes it works without rhyming. If it's if your timing of the verse or the uh, the lyrics comes in right, you don't always have to be right or right on with your rhyme. I don't think mm-hmm. you can. It can be off a little bit, but uh, you know, talking about how you're right and that's a tom t hall thing i don't know if you know who tom t hall is really no boy you you go list down the list of tom he tom t hall songs that he's written and you'll know 30 of them i guarantee Uh, it well maybe i guess uh the merle Haggard song i remember playing a lot uh to help teach this lady that she really wanted to know was uh in my next life do you remember that song at all yeah Um, that was uh late 80s he put that out yeah not in his greatest era no definitely not but it was uh do you know if that was a cover song of any sort before that? or No, that I think he wrote that. That's cool. Yep. I uh, I kind of took to that song quite a bit. In my it, next life, I want to be your hero. Yeah, it was a, yep. s- a song about a, uh, a farmer's yep. wife and a farmer. And, and the, the farmer, farmer was going to lose the farm, yep. and, and he was downtrodden, and, and all, he, all he wanted to tell her was, I'm sorry, in my next life, I want to be your hero. Yep, and I want to say that uh, they end up getting the farm back, and he ends up going to pass away, and it's going to yep. be the same exact story all over again. So, yep. it's kind of that's like, what that's what country music is. It's, yeah, it's but it's so much. I feel like it's so much better than um, just. I mean, we it, the cliche is always there. It's like pickup truck, girlfriend, dog, yes. um, beer, yep. and the classic David Allen Coe line. But I also feel like they're kind of mixing a little bit of. Uh, like maybe like a rap or hip hop or uh, pop culture element into it that might be yep. turning it into something else uh, altogether. Well, everything comes and ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys yeah, and whatever. Exactly. And there was a day that, you know, I've, I've joked with my wife a few times here in the last year or so that back in the 80s, there was a guy named Clint Black who was popular on, on country radio. And I, at the time, I absolutely hated the shit he was doing. Yeah. And now I hear a Clint Black song on the radio, I'm thinking, God, I wish it was that good again because yeah. it's just trash right now. <laughs> so I guess maybe you don't know what you got until yeah. it's all gone, anyways. So yeah, I mean that's just another uh, another affirmation to just enjoy what you have when when you have it around for sure. So uh, I mean we've we mentioned Chris Carr band, we mentioned Ned Freely Fun Band, we got the seldom scene we just yep. mentioned. We kind of ran through Fabulous Uniques pretty quick. Did we end up I talking too much about them at all? Because I remember we, we mentioned anything about them. The Fabulous what? Uniques were a band that was that was together in the '60s. I think they formed in 1964. I wasn't born until 1967. Okay. Anyway, they were popular in 64 to 67, 68, and 
And then they broke up, obviously. And then back in, uh, I think it was probably 2000 or so, they got back together and did uh, uh, a reunion mm-hmm. up at, I think it was Livermore Days or something like that. Yeah. And I went up and heard them, no big deal. And I had played music with, with one of the guys before. Um, well, then they decided they wanted to get together and play some jobs, but their drummer, Rick Wynn from Minneapolis, didn't, don't know why, didn't want to come down and didn't want to yeah. partake in it. So they called me. So I was kind of brought in as a the new Fabulous Unique in 2000, and mm-hmm. then uh, we played for four years together, and they were inducted into the Hall of Fame, Okaboji, the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in yeah. 2004. So I've got a nice little plaque over there for that nice um, and and that was that was cool i'm glad that they included me on it you know i obviously i wasn't around in the 60s for it but it's uh it's nice to be a an actual member of the hall of fame yeah even though it does me no good other than get a couple of cheers at a show or something but um do you think that uh maybe their like the fact they started doing shows again had something to do with the fact that people noticed them remembered them and put them in the rock and roll hall of fame i think that's what it was i mean <laughs> i mean it's definitely nothing against um in our in our current culture where everybody forgets things so fast um i feel like it's something like that where a little bit of re-exposure does things yep. some good sometimes you know when they, when they were popular in the 60s they were they had gotten awards from from the i don't even know the music association from iowa or something that they were the best ballroom band or something you know we're talking back in the days when buddy holly, holly was coming through they had he they tell me the stories that they'd open for the everly brothers once and they backed up uh, uh another band i can't tell you who it is i guess but um, they were they were not as popular as other bands, but they got the chance to play with these guys. Yeah, they were the support for all the yeah. all of. And yeah. they always dressed in this, you know in the nice attire and good looking, you know yeah. whatever it is that uh, shit that I would never do. I'm oh, a non, so, I'm a nonconformist. Oh, so you didn't dress up uh, in this? <laughs> do they still dress up all nice? Well, and they suits? would. They when we were playing together a, a lot more back, you know, five, six, eight years ago. Um, they'd always say, hey, what are you wearing? What are we going to wear this week? And I'd say, I don't give a shit what you wear. I'm wearing what I want to wear. <laughs> and I kind of feel bad sometimes about that, but but I'm me. I'm just a, if they're all going to wear vests and red shirts or white shirts, you can count on me wearing a, a black and white hard rock t-shirt or something. And that uh, is- obviously I'll be presentable at every yes. show. That's one thing I've never done. There's There's guys that that play without shirts and without shoes, and, and that's great for them if that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. That's just not me. Yeah, so I try to be presentable. I always feel like the drummer can get away with uh, dressing different than the whole entire band, almost regardless of the band. Anyways, yep. um, some of it's definitely comfort because, like, you don't want to be back there in a five-piece suit, like pinned well, back, they'd, and they'd say, "Well, we're gonna wear white shirts and black pants." I said, "All right, I, I got a white shirt." Yep, but I ain't wearing black pants. Yeah, no kidding. I might wear some shorts. You know, <laughs> maybe uh, or you maybe not even a shorts <laughs> guy. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I wear blue jean shorts or heck, something like heck that. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm. Uh, I'm the introverted extrovert, or sometimes an extroverted introvert. <laughs> it is kind of a nice homage, though, to pay to them too. Whereas uh, they're going out there dressing up as the uniques, and and you're the guy that's yeah. in the back that's helping them out. Yeah, right, as and I was I, I was kind of a running joke with them, you know. I said, "Hey guys, I, I'm not one of the originals. I'm sure glad you're bringing me along as a as a replacement, you know." Yeah. Um, but no, they always said, "Oh, now you're one of us," and and you know that's why I got the plaque. And that's pretty awesome, though. That's sweet. Congratulations. It's man. nice to be included. Yeah, definitely. I went and saw the Moody Blues a handful of years back. Man, I uh, probably been seven, eight years ago already. But uh, when I went and saw them live, they had the same situation where a handful of their musicians had passed, yep. and they had uh, other guys come in. And it's not like they all dressed in uniform or nothing, but the other guys kind of took to the sides in the back of the stage a little bit more. And uh, 
I, the names are escaping me, but the the bassist and guitarist that were two of the focal members that were still alive that were there were in, were kind of in the front doing most of the work. Yeah, it's, whether it be Leonard Skinner or Boston or whoever the band is, hey, half of them are dead. They can't be the real band. You exactly. Know? Uh, unless you're ZZ Top, there's only three of them in the band. So I, yeah, I don't be know long how, and they'll be doing their they're they're gonna be doing a wheelchair too. I don't know how those guys are pulling that off. Like. I mean, and it's no disrespect to anybody in the music industry, but a lot of the guys are kind of dropping like flies these days, it seems like. And I mean, you're on the road 200 days a year or whatever, 150, yep. 250, whatever it ends up being. Um, these guys aren't kind to their bodies throughout their life doing uh, the rock and roll thing, I guess, uh, at that high level. And then yep. you end up with a situation where somebody ends up, you know, most of these guys are dying at like 60 and early 70s, which yep. isn't too young, but it's, it's still kind of one of those things that makes you think. You you bring that up, uh, you know you know that they had extracurriculars in their in their touring life. Oh yeah, you know? totally. And, uh, we went to the Bohemian Rhapsody movie last weekend, yeah. and, and it was a great movie. Um, obviously, the soundtrack was kick ass. Oh yeah, totally. But um, what we what we realized, uh, my wife kind of mentioned it. You know, we never saw anything of the band. They they never showed them doing anything, doing drugs or getting drunk or having parties or nothing like that. Yeah. Now maybe Queen didn't do that, but I can't I believe. Can't hardly believe that they didn't. I yeah, mean, I mean it's rock and roll, man. It, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I feel like some bands might play it up a little bit more than others. Like, uh, let like let's take Pink Floyd for example. Do you think those guys were just out of their minds twenty four seven for like thirty years straight? Like, I don't think you'd be able to play if you were actually were, you know. Or like uh, like Motley Crue, they were always like, oh, we did. Even you read their book, we did yeah. all this, that, and the other, and yeah, and go below I, the stage and get. Six blowjobs. Yeah, it's like know, I don't all even these naked women. Yeah, like and, and, and just drugs, three drugs, lines of coke, all the heroin in the world. And they're oh, I still played that night, and then yeah. we did it all the next day, all over again in a different town. Like I don't think maybe like you might not remember it quite like you think you do, but like man, that's that's tough on your body though. Those guys, uh, those I don't. I've never, I've never even really thought too much in an adult life about trying to go out on tour, and I don't know if it has like the fear of that kind of stuff coming around or what it is i've maybe it's just being older and knowing that it's not something that's plausible in an older life but like i don't know it's it just seems like uh i've always had this kind of fear of that in the music industry as as a whole because there seems like there's just so many people dying now and i i try my best just to steer clear of any sort of talk of of over partying i guess we can call it because because yeah. it does happen but it's I don't know, man. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm definitely not gonna over party for a uh, hundred dollar payday at a bar. <laughs> that's uh, right. It, you know, yeah. that's you know, walk out with a thirty two dollar tab. Exactly. <laughs> no kidding. I still owe them all the money. You know, that's that's. Well. I mean, there are probably some bands that go about it that way, but I guess that's still a business <laughs> move if you think about it in the sense that they are getting free beer for playing a show. So it's almost like they're doing work for free beer. I mean, it's kind of an economics yeah. deal in the same sense, well. anyways. <laughs> Like I said, I've always been Opie Taylor, uh, goody goody two shoes. Yeah. I've never. I've, when I was a young kid and my dad was in the bar, I saw the drunks and all the drinking and the smoking and that, and I've just never, I've never attempted any of it. And, and I feel I've like I've had a few drinks here and there, but nothing. Yeah, I uh, I I did my fair share of drinking through my early to mid twenties, but the older I got, I I didn't really care for it too much, and I started kind of late in life compared to most people. And I just never really got drinking too well. I'm I'm not good at it. I guess is what I always tell people. So I just don't do it. But uh, I you know, just you you say that. Uh, that's what I used to say. Is you know, people say, "Well, why didn't you come over and talk with us?" Well, 
because you're all standing around with a beer in your hand, and I'm drinking a soda or a glass of pop or whatever, and mm. it's just not, you know, from my angle, it's just not comfortable. I'm out of place. Exactly. You know, and people say, well, don't worry about it. Come over and have it. Well, you don't get it. It's just, I'm I'm the odd man out, yeah. and it's hard to do. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, you're like a softball on a pool table. That's right. That's, that's, they're all round balls on the pool table, but one of them don't quite. And I feel the same way, too, because I, I feel like most of my friends kind of, not that they all drink too much, but I just feel like everybody just kind of drinks. And and when you do get those like late night people hanging out, and you just everybody's kind of hanging out, and you're just like, man, everybody's drinking, and I'm not, and I just kind of feel like a loser. And maybe that's one reason I kind of started playing music on my own um, as of the last few years. Because comes a, comes a point when you just you you deal with it, and 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 I don't worry about it anymore. You know? Yeah. Uh, Chris Carr, you know, well, Chris still does once in a while. He'll do the group thing, group drink thing. You know, yeah. I, that's all right. I'll sit back and thumb through my phone while they're doing it or something like that yeah i just wish i was good at it because everybody looks like they're having so much fun <laughs> and i'm just like oh man if i had two beers i would be f- i'd be like cartoon faced first in a booth <laughs> and i don't know why but i just i just can't do it very well so <laughs> no. so what uh, what kind of other bands you played in we, we've named off four oh, four, to, four real big ones here well, i used to play with a group uh for a few years i used to travel for work so it was hard to play for about seven years hard to i would have to try to schedule my jobs for when i knew i would be home um, I used to play with a um, a group out of Ogden. <laughs> Excuse me, <coughs> trying Bless to get rid of this crap. Yeah. Yep, a group out of Ogden um, named Static. Okay, it was actually a, a a group that they. It was uh, Rick Weiss and uh, his buddy Dave and Steve Curry and I. I've and it was it was brought on by the uh, what was this uh, class of seventy three was getting together and doing reunions and and that was and, uh they yeah. mixed it with like a pool benefit for the town is that the one you're talking about or do you no do I don't think that was that? it but they used to get they used to have uh, lazy river band was a yep. band from seventy three yep and we would get together as static and be like an opening band for them yep uh, and believe it or not I was with active input we opened up for you that's once. right yep. that's so, right uh, when I was in high school I actually opened up for all you guys and that was one of those wowing experience where it's like Oh man, we're rock stars. We're playing on a stage. Uh, I think Jody Hawkins ran the sound, so the yep. sound was awesome. And we're just like, we're so cool. And then we got to watch you guys play. And it's like, oh, these guys are actually, actually really good. You know, <laughs> so it was one of those humbling things. They might have been. It was cool and humbling all at the same time for sure. Uh, anyway, I played with uh, those guys, and 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 it was again seventies, sixties uh, and seventies cover rock and roll. Yeah, you know, uh, Grateful Dead tunes and mm-hmm. and. Uh, Joe Walsh, things like that. Nice. Um, I get. I had a group uh, up, like I was mentioning earlier, from the Lorenz area. Um, that uh, I had been traveling, like I said, and I'd been talking to these guys about hinting about, man, I'd really love to play with you guys. And yeah, I came off the, came home and took a job in the plant um, uh, again, and and I went and visited these guys. They had a job up at the casino up in Ebbsburg, and I went up and visited them with them. And I said, hey, whenever you guys are ready, I'm ready. Yep. Um, so then uh, about three weeks later, they called and said, hey, you want to come over and we'll sit down and hash out some songs? Well, I went over and it turns out that they, they're what the, the bass player they had in mind was Glenn's brother, Don, and Don wasn't available. Uh, Glenn Samuelson and Don Samuelson from the Lorenz area. Yeah. And Bob Johnson showed up playing bass. Nice. I'm thinking, well, why is Bob here? You know, and it was great because I love you know I always get along with Bob and plays yep. plays well. Yeah. And then uh, a week later, I see Bob again, and he says, "So how'd the audition go?" And I think audition? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? He says, "Yeah, they said they were going to try you out." And I'm thinking, 
okay, <laughs> but I thought we were all in agreement that this was just going to happen, I guess, you know, yep. so so we got together and we played probably four or five, six jobs maybe, Yep. Uh, local bars, Marathon, Lorenz, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't have a name. And I was joking around with Glenn one night about it. He says, "Yeah, this is this is. I was always wanted to be in a band. This was going to be my fifty mile fame. You yep. know, fifty miles around, everybody'd know us." Yep. I said, "Well, that's it. Fifty mile fame. That's awesome." So that's what we started going by for a while, yep. and then come to find out, the other guy in the band said, "No, this is going to be my band, huh. and I was going to be the hired hand uh, coming over and and doing all this practicing and shit." And I thought, "Whoa, wait a minute! I've never been a hired hand." Yep. In Indy, obviously, until the Chris Carr band. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I just, I put my foot in. It. I said, "This ain't happening." This, I'm part of. I've never been a part of a group that I wasn't an equal, yep. fourth, fifth, or you know, sixth of the band. Yep. It was just part of the part of the group. And this guy says, "No, we're going to name it after me, and it's going to be me and my band." Oh wow! I said, mm, "We probably won't be playing much." Oh man! And that's... we did not. We quit. We we it all fell apart, and and it was just. Uh, Maybe it was my ego, but if you ask Glenn and Don, it I think we're all in agreement that we just couldn't get along with one guy. Yeah, and it all fell apart. So and yeah, I think that sometimes that's uh, it. Just seems to be the way it goes in bands. You just it's tougher to get along with everyone than a lot of people think it is. I mean, we touched on it a little bit in the Nick Earhart podcast, but it's I mean it's it's not enough that everybody has the time to get together and everybody wants to play music and you have somebody that plays every instrument yep. because then you got to get everybody that at least interacts well with one another. And I mean I've seen like you and the Chris Carr band, all you guys interact a lot online and you guys seem to give each other <coughs> quite a bit of guff and uh enjoy talking to each other and in, in, yeah. you know it's that's good camaraderie in ex- there. Exactly. And it's uh, uh one thing I learned when I joined Chris and I was very uncomfortable and I still am kind of once in a while but when they're done with the show or practice or anything when they're all together. Yeah. Everybody gives everybody a hug and, and pats them on the back and and because we're brothers. Yep. And that was hard for me to take in few, you know first few times thinking, well this isn't my style. But now it, I mean that's it's just natural now that uh, I know that you know without them being there, we're not the Chris Carman. Exactly. They all got so, your back. Yeah. So that's actually pretty pretty awesome thing. Um the camaraderie of some bands is really like a I don't want to say a brotherhood. Not to be, uh, I don't know, what's the term, uh, sexist or whatever, yeah. your brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. It's a, it's a family of sorts. There yes. you go. Let's yeah. just call it that. It's a, it's a family. Is that, is that everybody in agreement that, is everybody in agreement that family is okay to say? I do agree with family. All right. Family, family. So, and, so, and, I, and it's the same whether it be Seldom Seen or Ned Freely or, or Fabulous Uniques. Everybody is their own little family. Yeah. You know, and the uniques don't play anymore mainly because there's a guy from one's from Atlantic and one's from north of Mankato and, and it just we just can't get together. It is tough to get to but like yeah. how, you're how, talking three hundred miles between and them. How do you do that when you uh balance because let's say you're in you're in three bands full time now. Well right? Two or three first come, first serve. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's kinda how it works. Is everybody pretty okay with that for the most part? They have to be. Yeah. I mean I guess and that's, that's you know, I was playing with, uh, obviously I played with Seldom Seen for 28 year, 26 years, Yep. but we don't play much. Yep. And then I started playing with, with uh, Ned Freely and, and um, you know, played with him for a couple of years. And then the, the Chris Carr thing came along and I told Chris and I told Ned Freely, if we get a job and, and it's a guaranteed job, I'll put it on the calendar. Yep. 
But if I book one with you guys and they want one coming up, they're not going to get it. But if I book one with them and you want one coming up, you're not going to get exactly. it. Exactly. So you, you at least give everybody the fair opportunity of time yep. of time on their hands. So okay. like the earliest, you know, first come, first serve. Right exactly now, like Ned Freely's got jobs in, in June and November of, of 2019 booked already. And Yeah. I mean, hey. Know, that It's not like 100 jobs, but it's two or three that, that, are, that are out on the calendar. Yeah. Chris has got a couple in the spring, I think. But, uh, hey, I'm... I'm I'm stretched out. I want to know where I'm going to be and when before yeah. it comes time to be there. Exactly. Um, it is it is pretty <laughs> tough to pull something together on short notice, and I think that's another thing that some people always seem to pass off is is how tough it actually is. Like, I mean, you guys bring your own PA, you bring your own lights, you guys usually bring your own everything with the Chris yeah. Carband. So, I mean, that's, and that's Chris is self supportive. He's he yeah. is the man. He is the band. Yeah. Obviously, he is. Uh, he'll tell you that he's just one of the five guys in the band, but he is the leader of the band. Yeah. He supplies equipment, uh, the the PA, he supplies the lights. Yep. Um, he supplies 40% of the front guitar stuff, you know, exactly. 50%. Yep. Um, hey, <laughs> I am the hired hired man. I yep. come along, bring a drum kick, you know, fill it, fill on the holes, and <laughs> and uh, he's the leader. He says goes, and I have no problem with that. Yeah. I mean, it's just the dynamic, and it's kind of like a family type thing, like we were just talking about. Some families function in different ways, and you get some yep. families where someone has to be a definitive leader, maybe no, not. No, he'll tell you different. He'll yeah. say, Scott, you got a, you got your own input, and you're a hundred, you know, whatever you want to do, you do it. And that's great. He's right. But I'm, I'm just saying that I want to do it to his level. Exactly. And, uh, and, and like I said when we started, when I started with Chris Carband, I was at, I was at this level. I had to come up here. Yep. Um, by the way, hands are six inches above each other here. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's something I always kind of forget about is the fact that I don't have any video going for this. But who would want to look at me anyways? So That's definitely, right. you know, Or me. You know, well, I mean, I thought about getting some video sometime, but, you know, maybe that'll be for another another yep. podcast. You know, I, I told you when you come in here, I don't uh, it's going to be a different different show than what you're normally doing, because I'm not the same genre lover that you guys are. I mean, I don't you guys, you and Nick were dropping names and they can blink who? <laughs> Who the hell is that? <laughs> I just no, don't know that stuff. No, I yeah. wasn't raised on it, and and in, like I said, from the mid eight eighty five to ninety, whatever it was, I s- screw radio. I'm just putting in with a CD and a you know I, to what I want. I don't blame you because I feel that uh, there was so much overexposure of music at that time. Um, like let me let me put it this way: someone was sending me Snapchats today of pictures of albums they had found while working at a job, and the person sold them to them. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, "Yeah, you can. I'll just sell them to you. I don't need. I don't need." Them. So they have these records, just some like ZZ Top, Aerosmith, uh, Kiss, just a handful of stuff like that. And I was, I was thinking to myself, every one of these albums is great. And why is that? Is it because it took more time, effort, money? Uh, material yeah. and everything back then to do it and now i don't um, think there was quite the saturation back then either yeah you know, there was maybe five or ten or twenty rock and roll great bands and and uh the radio stations knew that that's what they wanted to play well now the radio stations don't have a choice they're going to play what's sent to them and it's yeah. got it's just all this saturated crap that do you think something also has to be said for the fact that i could just run this laptop this interface and then get a digital computer plug-in and then just make all my music from here with Stuff, yeah. you stuff need, on I, was, I was talking to a guy at work the other night and or out, as we were out working and I said, you know, you got to go out to the radio station and you just do a, a, a two hour Friday night show. You could record it at home and send it to them and yeah. do a blues show or do a, here's my classic rock show or something like that. Mm-hmm. You got all the tools right there. Yeah. 
I mean, that's this is actually all you need. And this is like a little exorbitant. I mean, it's just an interface and a laptop, but like I should usually just have something portable with me. But I, I like the way this sounds better. It's it's pretty portable. Well, it is it is a little more high tech than you think because I have no clue what that box is you got laying there. Um well, let's put like it I said, I'm a drummer. I don't do sound. I don't do lights. I don't do electronics. The easiest way to say this is this. Uh, the end of the microphone has three plug-in little prongies, and that, yep. that won't go into the laptop. So I bought a box that had three prongies. Understood. And then the back end of that box goes into the laptop. So, <laughs> so that's pretty much what I did. I uh, now understand. Yeah. I, uh, I'll tell you what. I'm actually pretty new to all this uh, audio engineering stuff. I've, I've got a very basic uh understanding of what's going on so i hope hope everything still sounds good if anybody out there in podcast land thinks that uh i need some help let me know i'll do my best to adjust it but well like i said i've listened to five of the eight or whatever it is you've done yep um and i have not heard uh any problems i heard one guy that was kind of kind of hard he wasn't quite on the mic all the time and, yeah. and you'll probably find that with me today too because i've mean. been I mean, it's swinging away. It happens. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like a couple of the first ones, I, I couldn't get the audio levels right. So I, I had to try to do it in post-production. It didn't work out as well. But even then, like nobody really said anything to me. So maybe they don't know. And I, it's just something because I'm the one doing it that I, I mm-hmm. feel like I know it more, more than anything. Let's, uh, let's talk about drum sets. What's the deal with you having a, a handful of drum sets? Well, if that's a handful, that's a damn big hand. Yeah, it's a big handful. Um, I, I, for 23 years, I, I bought a brand new kit from Dan Trimble in Fort Dodge back in 80, I don't even remember, 85, 86. Yeah. And I played that kit for like 23 years. That's all I could afford. That's mm-hmm. what I had. And it's no big, you know, I had no way to get, get anything more than that. Well, obviously times have changed and I'm, I'm more comfortable now than I was then. And, and, uh, I don't know, six or eight years ago, I bought a second kit and, and, Actually, what started it was I, I was playing the old blue kit, and I had the I had the kit that I had for 23 years, and I bought this custom kit yeah. that I had. I sent the guy the dimensions and all the dimensions that I wanted out of it and, and uh, to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and he built this drum kit custom for me, and, and that was it's, it's my Donahoe's, um, and, I mean, they're my babies. That's that's the cool thing. Well, then I had two kits. Yep. Well, then, then one day somebody, I saw the one for sale, so oh, I can use that. I bought an old set of Diablos out of Perry, I think. I went down and made a, a garage deal, you know? Yep, yep. And then a uh, year later, a couple of years, whatever, months later, I, I saw another deal on Craigslist where somebody from the Twin Lakes area wanted, wanted to get rid of a drum kit, and they had to get rid of a drum, get rid of it now. I yep. said, well, I can meet you in Manson, and so Deb went with me, and while I'm over here looking at the drums, thinking, oh, man, these are, you know, these are nice. I'm getting these to steal. She's over there watching the person selling them to me, and She's thinking, uh, I'm getting her the next crack fix is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, she had the shakes and shit like that. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what it's turned into is uh, um, I know the second I click on Craigslist, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate, I, I love Craigslist because it's it's gotten what you, you know, I'm, we're down in the, in the uh, it's, it's gotten what you see here. And I've got, uh, current count is 14 drum kits. Dang! Um, can I play them all? No, I can't. Not all at the same time. But anyways. I can. Yeah, I, I, that, and if you ever come to a Chris Carr show or a Ned Freely show, you'll see that week to week, it's not the same kit. And that's actually pretty awesome too. Yeah, and I'll I'll change that head every week, put it on a different drum kit, and retune it. And and that's something also that's pretty awesome. You almost never see drummers do that, especially ones that are in multiple bands. Yeah. They almost never swap out their drum heads on the front kick drum. 
well, normally all the kits that I've got when I'm not playing with Chris, I just got my I've got my signature on the front. I also think that's pretty cool. You know, and and people say, well, what an ego he's got. Well, no, it's not an ego. It's just that I was playing with. At one time, I had a, a couple different bands I was playing with, and I couldn't. I didn't want to change the head all the time. Exactly. So I just put put my signature down. I wrote. I think I wrote my signature 150 times, and then picked the best one and took it out to uh, Terry's sign out there and said, "Here, I need I need five of these." And and he made them for me. It cost me like 60, 70 bucks to start with because he had to make the template. But exactly. Anymore, I go out there and get five or ten and. Or not five or ten, but I get five or six, and he'll charge me thirty-five, forty bucks. And is is it uh, like a sticker on the front, or is it's it not a uh, vinyl? Oh, nice. Yep, that's pretty sweet. Yep. Hmm. We get down here, I'll show you one. It's just yeah. a little little stick decal that I put on. I'll go buy a, a black, you know, resonant head for the front of the drum, and I'll put my, uh, I'll put it in different places all the time on the top or on the bottom. But it's not an ego thing. It's just saying, hey, it's, this is me, and. Uh, well, it's no different than the fact that I I have a blue guitar that's like ridiculously it's painted, and, and it, I have a pedal board that's super flashy with a bunch of lights and looks like a spaceship. And somebody it. commented on your pedal board at the picnic this year. Yeah, really? Yeah, that's awesome. You don't remember that? Um, it was uh, Deb. She come over and says, "Who's?" This? I mean, it was like I that's just, right because it was the, like a monster. She the year before she saw it, but it wasn't plugged in the year before no. when she saw it. So that's yeah, I do have a pretty big nice pedal board but it's nothing more than like individuality for you i mean uh, everybody's got to have individuality even within a band somewhat um <laughs> i mean otherwise everyone would play the same color guitar everyone would wear the same exact outfit they'd have the same i mean it'd look no yeah. offense to 50s music but it looked like 50s music you know well and i'll tell you you know every every drum kit's got its own personality and and i'll be the first to tell you i don't know how to tune a drum for shit yeah um i mean i don't i've, but, o- I've often wondered exactly how well, it all goes down you know, I, I tune them all to where I think they need to be, and yeah. and I've never, I've really, I've never had a complaint from a, like a sound man or anybody saying those sound like shit. Yeah. Now there's been a couple times with Chris that that we can't get the right tone out of the kick drum maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll move the mic around, you know, different places on the mic, but we always find it. Yep. And it doesn't matter whether it's uh, you know, most everything is. I mean, there's a couple of six piece seven. There's a seven piece kit in there, but wow. Um. I just I don't know. There's no need for a seven piece drum kit anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, I play a, a five piece as it is. Sometimes I'll play six if it's a big stage. Yep. I'll put three floor toms down, and uh, but I only play the one rack tom anymore. And you know, I, as a kid, I remember the days when I had to have. I had, matter of fact, those there those drums up above you there. Mm-hmm. I used to use those with my old Blue Royce kit. Oh, nice. So and yeah. I'd have. At the time, a nine-piece drum kit. Cause man, I was gonna rock and roll, you yep, know. Yep. And cymbals hanging at an angle, and boy, I was I was the shit, man. And no, I wasn't. I didn't realize it, but I was not. <laughs> and I realize now that it only takes four-piece drum kit. Exactly. It doesn't take all that shit, and and I and it's not only that I'm 52. I don't like carrying it all yeah, anymore. Yeah, true. I uh, I do have to say there is something to be said about somebody who can take, um, even if it's just kick, snare, two toms, and like what seems like three symbols yep. like if you can just take that and make all of that sound come out of just that it's pretty mind-blowing actually i've been accused lately of the last few years of being a cymbal player not a drummer uh, um, i have a habit of if we're playing a big show or a big stage or whatever i like to put up i've got four different eight, 18 inch crash symbols that i love a good i mean they're they're nice big fat sounding and, yep. and, and they're loud <laughs> but uh yeah i love a good crash symbol too I also found myself on uh, Craigslist falling peril to the the ridiculousness of people wanting to get rid of their stuff for really cheap prices. And I I went on <coughs> went on Craigslist. I found a drum set. Somebody wanted seven hundred for it. I'm like, this is nonsense. 
But then I uh, waited till they lowered it to around 450, and I met them near the Quad Cities because I was mm-hmm. in Iowa City, anyways. And it was just a pearl export, but it, it was uh, two kicks, five toms, a snare. It had a whole bunch of uh, Zildjian K symbols wow. with it. So the Zildjian K, yeah. Zildjian Ks, and it had a nice Tama uh, thrown with it, too. So, I mean, like, it's not like I, I didn't come away like a pig and shit, but I did come away pretty good with, with a handful of the symbols and stuff on it. So I now found myself setting the thing up, and it's this is too big to set up in a basement. I don't need all these toms. Um, so I, I, I did make it a little bit smaller. I do have three toms and uh, just a kit. I mean, it's, I guess you call it like a standard setup, maybe yep. like a rock setup of sorts. But the next the next thing is to figure out how to uh, be more comfortable playing it. What would you suggest? Um, tighter. Tighter? Um, I, I've got a friend from Lorenz that has just been um, learning drums for the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I went over there and... I don't know, six, eight months ago and visited with them and I sat down at her kit and it was just, it, the, the hi-hat was way out left and, the, and you know, it was just hard for me to, to reach everything. But yeah. that's, she didn't, she didn't know any different. She'd never done this before. And, yep. and yeah, that's you, Anita. I'm talking about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I told her, she says, bring stuff in. Bring it in tighter. Squeeze the snare with your legs and, and get it in so you don't have to move your arms so far. And, yeah. And I'll be the first to tell you, I can't, I'm, I'm horrible at playing drum rolls. I'm, I used to be faster, but obviously I'm I'm just not I'm not great anymore, and it's, never it's never not, have been great. It's not common practice for you, though. Probably like just no, I do not practice. Period. The only practice I get is with a band. Yeah, <laughs> I got practice tomorrow night and with Ned, and Wednesday night with Chris, and and two jobs over the weekend. And uh, but yeah, my I play music on average three times a week. That's pretty awesome. I I feel like that's something that a lot of musicians strive for. And uh, when some musicians get to that point, they don't realize how much work is actually involved in some of that, too. Do you uh, do you haul drum sets back and forth and back and forth every single time you go to a place? Or every do you, time. So you never leave a drum set anywhere? Mm-hmm. Not, not I, I do leave a drum kit in Algona uh, where yeah. Ned practices at. we got a little hideout. Oh, Nobody yeah. knows where it's at. Ooh. Um, anyway, I've got a drum kit there, and, and I leave it there all the time. That's pretty cool. Why would I want to bring it back if i got 13 others sitting here? I feel the same way because, I mean, I ended up, I ended up that way as a guitar player with uh, guitar amps, and uh, everybody's downsizing, and for some reason I still got to have a 4x12 with an amp head on the top going 100 watts for yep. for no reason. But I, I've got a couple different setups, and I ended up just getting tired of dragging them back and forth. So I did leave one down at the dark mirror practice pad, and I, I do kind of like uh, having multiple pieces of gear for that, for that instance uh, specifically, I guess. And it's not that I have, like, gear... Sp- just slathered all across Iowa at different practice pads, but it is kind of nice to have the ability to have that. Yep. Um, something kind of along the same lines. I, I have a handful of different guitar amps, and most of them are like the same model. And I was used to uh, take the different amps out, even though the sound that would come out of them was basically the same. The front of them would all look different. So I used to like take <laughs> those out and kind of. Um, some people would comment on it, and those are kind of the people I was aiming on. Where they're like, "Well, that's not the same amp you were using the last time." I was like, "No, no, it's not." And it's it's kind of funny. You ever get that kind of stuff with your drums where people are like, I thought you played one of these and not one of those. No, they've mentioned it a few times. That's not what I saw you playing last time. I said, well, no, I've, I uh, I spun the wheel and it landed somewhere else this time. So, <laughs> is yeah. that, is, how do you do? Is you just random or however you feel for uh, the day? I just or? think about what the venue is and what kind of music we're going to be playing and, and make the choice off of that. You know, I've got that, uh, that black sparkle kit in there. That's an Orange County that I bought down in Tennessee two years ago and... Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, I went to a Sam Ash down there, and I had no intention of buying a drum kit. I mean, yeah. we were we went down to do some dancing, and during the day we went to Sam Ash. So I went looking around, and I looked at it, and I thought, "Gee, that's a nice Orange County kit, mm-hmm. six piece kit. I bet you that's going to be a thousand bucks." Yep. And the guy comes back, says, "Yeah, it's uh, three ninety nine. What? Three ninety nine? What's wrong with it? What's wrong? Not a damn thing wrong with it." So I shot him back. I said, "Well, uh, you know, I'll give you three hundred. Well, yeah." Uh, then he comes back. Well, can you do three twenty? I said, "Well, uh, I can think about it." And I, I t- flipped it over, and the the resonant head on it was was trashed. Yep. I said, "Well, this ain't gonna do." He says, "Well, I'll throw a resonant head on it for you, brand you know, brand new. If you take give me three twenty, so I fifty dollar head. I got it for yeah, exact, cheap, exact, cheaper than I thought it was gonna be. Exactly. And I came home like a, I, I was just tickled. I came home with, and it's the snare is the best snare I've got. Yeah, it's kick ass. So, uh, you know, and and again, you know, back to the you you were mentioning you you love Craigslist. A couple of deals that I've done. A uh, guy in Iowa Falls had a Tama kit. Went over and uh, me and Deb went over on a Friday night and looked at it, and it was just tore to shit. I mean, was, he wanted like three hundred dollars for the kit, and it was yeah. just trashed. I said, "I'm sorry, man, I can't help you." But he had this uh, Zildjian cymbal bag full of uh, had well, it had a, a kit of yep. Zildjian K's in it. Yep, I said. You know, but I could probably give you, you know, I can give you 75 bucks for that. And he says, can you go 100? I said, well, I don't really need the bag, but I could go 100. Yeah. Give him 100 bucks for the thing. I That's threw it in awesome. the trunk. I said, get in the car. We got to go now. Run. <laughs> that was uh, the, I, the drum set that I bought with the Zildjian K's, the guy that sold them, uh, he sold them for his son because his son didn't play the drums anymore. I mean, they've been sitting in a garage for, I think it was like eight years or something, and his son ends up getting a hold of me, and he's like, "Oh, those the symbols are worth it, you know, worth the money alone." And uh, I guess his <coughs> his dad had fielded some offers on the kit, but people either just wanted to, they're like, "I'll get," I just want to buy the symbols and the throne was usually yep. what people tried to get because I guess it is kind of tough dragging around a whole like a shell pack, especially yep. like a seven or an eight piece shell pack. Because I I mean I put mine in a Toyota Avalon and barely made it <laughs> barely made it back in. Well, I can get everything in my I can get the complete drum kit in the trunk of my car except for the bass drum. Do you take the heads off when you put them nope. away? Nope. Nope. Um a lot of them uh, two or three of my kits you can see they're already in cases in storage down here. Yeah. But I can't get them in my car in cases. Yeah. So I'll just leave the cases in the basement and just the only time they're out of the cases when they're going out to play somewhere and then bring them back and put them away. Yeah. Uh, that kit right there you see in there, that, that blue sparkle or green sparkle, whatever color that is. Yep. Um, I bought that about a month and a half ago down in Polk City. All right. Um, somebody had it, had bought it. It's a little Safari Bop kit, 16-inch kick. And that kick is heavier than some of my, some of my 22-inch kicks. It's just solid. Anyway, it was it's it's three ninety nine brand new, and they wanted 200, 250 bucks. I offered them 200 yep. They took it. I went down and picked it up. And I think I think one of the stands still had the sticker on it, uh, oh. the, the tag on it. Jeez, it's all completely brand. Uh, the heads are all original on it. Yeah, I stole it. You know, for fifty yeah, percent yep. of cost. Ex- exactly. I've run into that too with some. Uh, I mean, that blue guitar that I play is, uh, I guess, nothing more than somewhere between like a beginner and intermediate level guitar because I didn't want to trash a super nice one. But I have found a lot of people that sell stuff that is somewhere in the intermediate ish. Um, 
range of an instrument and it's just well we bought this for our kid and he didn't want to play it anymore yep. so we just got we're just getting rid of it and that's there's a lot of crazy steals out there that's something i've tried to do with like some of my guitar students is steer them clear of like nah don't buy this new thing i, I mean there's a couple things here like these ones i'll send them some facebook links yep. to some things where people are selling stuff for cheaper <coughs> there's definitely some good deals out there but you got to wait for them yeah you got to you know uh yeah, don't jump on it and go with it. I the green kit, that Pacific kit. Yeah, um, that was actually one that was guy that lived west of the west of the Twin Cities about an hour. All right, and uh, he wanted uh, I think his cost he wanted three hundred and fifty bucks with it, or pardon me he wanted two fifty for it. Yep, and I got on there and I I said I'll give you one hundred and fifty and he come back and why don't you go buy a DW drum kit and yeah. see what it can set you back. And these are Pacifics, the same company, all this kind of stuff. And I and I replied back and says, listen, I'm not being an ass. This is just what I do. It's Scott's home for wayward drum kits is what yeah. it is. Uh, I go, I buy a kit. I don't sell it. I don't give it to a kid. I play them. Exactly. I put them in my rotation. Exactly. He replies back, well, you're just the guy I'm looking for. Yeah, exactly. So I went up. I drove up there. Here's the story. I drove up all the way to the west of the Twin Cities an hour, bought the drum kit, handed him 150 bucks. It had two extra stands that I didn't know about. Nice. Gave him 150 bucks, and I said, uh, 150 right? He says, yeah, but I'm going to make you take this, too. And he points at that Viper, that PV Viper that's in oh, the nice. other room. Oh, nice. Nice. Still got, he was asking 200 bucks on a garage sale for it. It made me take it. That's awesome. Made me take it that's for crazy. the total of 150 bucks. I then drove to uh, St. Paul, mm-hmm. picked up a second drum set that I'd been wheeling and dealing on. Mm-hmm. I paid 80 bucks for this four-piece um, Pacific gold around the corner, but Pacific black and gold. Nice kit. When I bought them, I thought, boy, these are going to be rough, and they are my favorite-looking kit right now. You that's, can't see them from here. but That's crazy. And my whole bill mm-hmm. was $230. I was on a Friday night. I came home. It was the same weekend as Frontier Days in Fort Dodge. Yep. I played Saturday night with Chris Carr. and played Sunday out at the park with, with Fabulous Uniques. Nice. Bought two drum kits, a PV amp. It still came away 170 bucks a head. That's, that's crazy. That's so insane. I'd, I'd, I wish there was a way to, like, um, I don't know, let people know that, that probably should know that there are cheaper deals out there. Because it is yep. kind of tough, but you also don't want to, like hunt stuff down and constantly show people where you're hunting stuff down and when and, and and if somebody tells you no don't worry about it just go on and wait for the next one yeah i mean i've, I've ran into a few things sometimes where people like uh even selling gear where they agree to a, a price and then you show up and they're like i got only got this much now it's like oh too bad and you just throw yeah. it in your car and drive away because yeah. it's i'm not gonna i guess i'm not gonna be had just as it, just like i'm probably not gonna let somebody take me on a deal either you know so well when I go to meet somewhere, I, I Deb likes it that we meet somewhere public, yeah, just for a safety thing. Yep. Most of the time, that's where it is, unless I, you know, I, I do a little background checking on people before I go yep. driving up there and oh yeah, look at the environment. You know, you can get on Google Maps or whatever and look at the environment and know exactly where you're going. And um, that stand-up cocktail kit we went to Sioux City and bought, and I went and the guys went right in his basement. Yep. You know, I was comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, could have been a slaughterhouse for all I know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we made it out safe and yeah, definitely. Hundred bucks later, I got a cocktail kit. Maybe that's part of the rush. Maybe you're just addicted to buying things on Craigslist and, <laughs> and getting away with your life. No, <laughs> I've I've slowed down lately. Like I said, that little bop kit was something I've needed for for jams and practices, and and that's the last thing I've bought. 
um, since probably I guess it was June or July when. Yeah, I mean, I need to slow down on my so, gear purchases so I'm, too. I'm starting to get the shakes again. Maybe need to make <laughs> oh, get another fix. Oh no! <laughs> oh man, yeah, I definitely need to uh, quit buying gear because I'm I'm selling some off, but of course, um, you, it's like sell one buy two, sell one buy two, and the one you're selling doesn't even it barely pays for the w- one more of what you're buying, yep. and then you just end up with. This and Deb's the same way. She says, I need to get rid of some stuff. Time to sell a few. And, and I agree. I could get rid of this or get rid of that. That definitely can get rid of, be getting rid of, uh, be gotten rid of. I wish, um, I, I, wish I knew how to play it. <laughs> take it home and try it. <laughs> no, nah, sorry. It's cheap. No, nah, sorry. I can't afford it. Whatever it is. Um, actually, I offered that to Blummel if he wants to play it in Chris Carr shows. I just give it to him. Um, but he hasn't, hasn't bit yet. Oh, man. Uh, he'd probably have to put new heads on it and make it make it uh, sound better obviously mm. it needs to be sound better but yeah yeah uh craigslist is a uh, uh, very addicting and uh <laughs> very dangerous yeah it's it's definitely fun i yeah i just need to i need to quit acquiring gear and just play play all my gear i guess because now it's to the point where i've got so much gear i can't even play it all and all the bands i'm doing and stuff like that so I, don't I can't. Know. I can't play. I can only play one drum kit at a time. Have you ever thought about uh, taking like one piece from every drum kit and making some like super mega ultra eh, drum I'm kit? Not, I'm not that kind. <laughs> of, to me, it's got a, it, it. It has a lot to do with the look. Yeah. It's got to look good. You know, it can't be just a. Um, I've got a Diablo kit that I, it was black and red when I bought it. Black with red trim. Yep. And the the black uh, finish was cracking on me, so I pulled it off and I, I refinished it in white. Yep. And now it's a, I call it my circus drums. I mean, it's <laughs> red and white. And, That's awesome. And they look great, but I just can't get the right, I can't get them to sound good. Yeah. So I use them at practice. I screw that and yeah. send them up there. And well, I'll tell you what, we've uh, we've gone well over an hour. We've got about an hour and a half here. And we haven't talked a thing about the picnic. No, we haven't. That's actually pretty wild. I mean, I'm cool to, I'm cool to keep talking. So let's talk about the picnic, actually. What's, uh, what's your involvement with the Rock and Picnic? It's come up in the podcast a handful of times with a handful of people. And if you're not from Humboldt, you don't get it. But let's talk about it. What's with the Rock and Picnic? The Rock and Picnic is just a uh, it's a free festival that uh, a bunch of Humboldt gentlemen got together um, ten and a half years ago. <coughs> I was not one of them, but I went to the first Rock and Picnic. Took my family out there, and yeah. anyway, these these gentlemen they got together. They threw us some get some cash together, and they hired a few bands, and they thought. Uh, you know, the stage out there at the Sheldon Park used to be used for the abate rallies. Yep. Huge stage. Yep. Going to waste. Yeah. Um, hadn't been used, and it was kind of yeah. getting run down. Yep. So they went together and put some pooled some cash and hired a few bands, and, and I think Chris was on the, the first bill that year. I with think the, he was. Um, I forget the name of his band. Uh, uh, can't even think of it. Anyway, I took my family out there, and we threw the football around for four or five hours, and I listened to great music all afternoon. But yep. At that time, I was also more of an introvert and didn't go out and meet people and, yeah. and uh, stayed to myself. And, I feel you. And uh, went to the first couple or three. Uh, I think the fourth one, um, it was my it was our anniversary or close to it, so I took Deb out. We went to the cities, and and I remember that year it was just bitter cold, and mm-hmm. they, were, they were freezing out there, but that was the one I've missed. Well, the following year after that would have been the fifth annual. Yep. I told him, I says, guys, if I can't play in a band that's going to play on your stage, what can I do to join and help? He says, well, do you know how to run a stage? I said, well, I can figure it out. Yeah. And since then, it's blossomed into they allow me to, uh, I help book bands for the shows. I help 
uh, get the bands on and off the stage, try yep. to keep it organized, try to be, uh, try not to be a prick to people, but make sure that people are doing what they need to be exactly. and, and out of the way when they need to be and, and, uh, and MC in the show. MC in the show too. I never thought that would be my thing. You know, I can't, I can get together with five people at work and I'm nervous as hell. Yeah. But I get in front of three, 400 people out there and man, let's go. It's, it's, it's so much more at ease. And how, cr- how crazy is that? Cause I was talking with someone the other day at school and we had to do some public speaking, something, something nonsense. And it, I just, I just blank when there's people in front of me and you just keep, I just keep talking and I've, I've got no problem with it. And even like we had to do cold calls for, for Iowa Central, for something for college, and we're calling people, and everyone's like, "How are you so good at talking to people on the phone?" Like, I can't see this person. I, I like, it doesn't matter to me really, I guess. But I, I've never really had too much of an issue talking publicly, unless it's uh, in an extremely informal way. If there's four people standing around talking, and I walk up, and then it's just, I'll just look around and then turn around and walk away. Yeah. I won't say anything. Yeah. But yeah, you do a really good job of emceeing. And well, I, I stutter and stammer a few times, but I try to get ahead of myself. And I, I just got to sit back and relax and realize, hey, these people are all here to have fun. Oh, yeah. Give them a little information. Tell them who's paying for the show. Yeah. And ask them to go throw a $20 bill in the bucket. And, Heck and yeah. Let's play some rock and roll. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you guys had shirts this last year. I've, I wear, you know, I wear I that shirt. I think they've done shirts every year. I wore the, I wore the shirt for the 10-year anniversary. Yeah. Um, God, I wear that thing everywhere. It's it's been one of my favorite shirts. I feel like it's like one of those things where like I earned this shirt because I actually got to play on the show uh, two years in a row now, and and that doesn't happen. That does not happen. And that's something else that I feel uh, pretty honored about because um, I mean I, I threw a little band together. We had that show, and mm-hmm. um, we all put so much work into that. I said I, I just need a T-shirt, like something in my own mind to commemorate how much work went into going just to play a show in Humboldt. Because I, I don't get the opportunity to play shows in Humboldt or uh, even around the area very much, it seems like, um, with my bands. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're a, we're a... The first year I was out there, I remember I had my kids out there, and I and it was part of kind of a party. They dropped a few F-bombs, and I said, you know, I I took the kids home, and I said, well, that's enough of that. And, yeah. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a prissy. I drop it as, many, yeah. as much yeah. as anybody, you know, yep. but uh, I try not to do it around my... My at the time four year old daughter. You know? Yeah, you try not to do it loudly on a microphone <laughs> yeah. in a public place. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, I the first couple of years we went and we tried to enjoy a little bit, and we did enjoy. Um, and then I missed the fourth year, and then the fifth year, and and I, I started helping them in the fifth year, and I've I've kind of taken it uh, on as my own thing that that, and I've and I've explained to the group a few times, you know, if you don't like what I'm doing, don't be afraid to tell me to shut the hell up and go home. Yeah, exactly. But I'm trying to make it, I, I've tried to make it a more of a family show, and I think it's 100% family today as as opposed to... I feel like it's a really good mix, too, because the last time, um, I mean, like, you have the, the bag tournaments there, and there's music going on, yeah. but there's also, like, people drinking beer out of coolers and just hanging Absolutely. out. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a it's, public park. Yeah, know? and it's not like people are just, like, running around going right. nuts, wasted, but and it's... You know the other thing is uh, there's been a couple years that we had a we had a we had somebody try to get in a fight down in front of the stage. We put it. I mean we we were all there. We got it to a stop and didn't have to worry about it. We've got uh, you know the local county sheriffs out driving around. And they're leaning in the car, listening to the music and enjoying it. Yeah. Um, but as far as policing, you know, there's 15 or 20 of us that there's a, there's a core group of six or eight guys that get together and meet in the meetings through the year and make the plans and that. But when it comes time to do it, there's about 15, 20, maybe even 30 people that, that are part of the group 
that show up to help to put stuff up and hang things and put up blocks and you know do whatever needs to be done yep. make the food yeah um and the food's always good it's yeah. not just like somebody's bringing mcdonald's in a bag and saying buy this for 20 bucks it's yeah. i mean like what was there smoked ribs and stuff yep, like barbecue last year? chicken oh my gosh that's so good ribs and, and shrimp boil yeah you know it's there's all good stuff anyway it's obviously that's what the donations are for we yeah. like to be like to have people kick in because this isn't free no. And the only way we're going to do it again next year is if they kick in this year. Exactly. So, and we've had uh, a good couple of years where they, they kick in about the same last couple of years as, as what we had been. So, um, we're getting good entertainment, you know, with our uh, good bang for our buck. Yeah. Um, um, people don't realize that, you know, we're putting up, we're putting up a band Saturday night. We're putting up uh, four bands, if not six. Six, yeah. <laughs> on Sunday. Yep. With, with uh, <laughs> we're some. We're paying for sound, which is is. The sound is another we talked about it last show. Underrated every time. That sound there is so amazing. Yeah, uh, Mike and and uh, and his wife and and sometimes Jeremy comes up and helps with the with the sound. But Jeremy couldn't make it this year. But Mike did a great job. He did the the monitor work and the main work. Yep. all on his own. Yeah, we had a couple spots where we um, we had one guy that thought he'd blown his amp, but we figured it out that it was his guitar that was messed up. And yep. you know, it took us about I don't know four. I don't know, maybe ten minutes, maybe fifteen to get through it. Yeah. Meanwhile, we had a drummer over here doing a drum solo, and and uh, exactly, you know, was, people work together, and make it work. Um, Paul Paul Larson is the guy that that allowed me to join. Yep. And I think he's uh, he doesn't like to be called the head of the head of the whole thing, but he's he's the organizer and yeah. and uh, the bookkeeper, and and uh, he has given me the liberties. To go out and look for bands and hire bands and and do this and do that and, and you've done a good job of keeping it uh, like relatively local but still um, far enough away where yeah. people from around here might not know the other bands. Yeah, well, we've had uh, every year we try to have one one act that stands out. Yep. Um, this year it was to me it was that rockabilly band that came on after you guys. Yeah, Barrelhouse Rockets. Barrelhouse Rockets. And they, they tore shit up. They blew me away. Yeah. I could not believe a, that. It was a good energy show. And um, I saw them like two weeks after that, and they were just ecstatic. Man, it was fantastic up there, you know. Yeah. Man, uh, and they then did uh, so also good. we had uh, what we had uh, you guys out there. We had uh, Dawn Patrol. Dawn Patrol. Uh, we had Rick Weiss come up with uh, uh, Jebediah Stone. They've been a regular uh, couple of three years for yep. us. Uh, Cross-eyed Mary was there, and uh, mm -hmm. they are they are they are hammers. They, yes. they hit it and they smack you in the face, and you. Wonder what happened when they're done. Exactly. Uh, and then Wild Ambition was our closer, and they actually were supposed to open or uh, open for ZZ Top uh, mm -hmm. down in Fort Dodge this year. So, yep. Uh, Wild Ambition did a great job, and and you know had a good good following. Uh, the previous year we had uh, a gal from Nashville come up. It was actually a two piece uh, violin and yeah, or fiddle and and drums and guitar and yeah, the, and it the, was different. Yeah, the drummer drummed and sang and played yeah. guitar. That yeah. was pretty wild. You know, it was different. Yep. But it was, and you know, it was, it's rock and picnic. We try to try to branch out into other genres, and yep. You know, we we got no problem with some country music and, and exactly. stuff like that coming out. Uh, three or four years ago, I think it was, I don't I don't remember three or four. We had a guy named uh, Jacob Stiefel, All right. um, out of Alabama, okay, or, or Nashville, I guess, is where he's out of now. But he came up and he plays a good good Southern fried rock and roll, mm -hmm. um, and and. He didn't know he was who he was going to bring until the weekend. He calls a few of his buddies and they get in a van and they go to they go to Missouri and do a show and they come up here and do a Sunday night show. Yeah. Um, 
You ever heard of the band Accent? Nope. It's a real heavy metal band. I think it's Accent. The guy's name is Christopher Williams. He's the ba- he's the drummer for for Accent. And they're doing tours okay. like European tours and shit. All right. This dude played on our stage. Oh, that's crazy. So, um, great guys. Uh, uh, Doug Mug Williams was a bass player. He's playing with with Axe around Nashville, and and he lives in L.A. And these guys are coming to Humboldt and play the rock and pick. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet. That is cool. We got you know we try like I said we we keep it live and keep it local is yep, the logo. I like that. There's the motto or whatever yep, slogan. We like to branch out once in a while, and if, and actually uh, I had an opportunity last year that didn't pan out. I tried getting a guy on that Saturday night that was actually a touring act, but yeah, but uh, uh, their price and my price were slightly different. We were close, yeah, but I I just didn't didn't it's didn't t- want to pull the trigger because it wasn't my money to spend. Exactly, that's tough to make that work too, and I especially feel like if it's not your money to spend, that would definitely be tough because you are looking out for everybody's best interest, yeah. not not just uh, definitely not a quick buck. That's not what you're looking out for because it's free. You just show up and, yeah. and and interact with. I mean. You know, when we hired you uh, two years ago, I yep. think I promised you fifty dollars or yep. something like that. You know, and and I don't know, if, I don't remember exactly what we paid you, but mm-hmm. this year I promised you the same, and I think we, you know, we yeah we it, gave you plenty that everybody was happy when they left. And you you always have a way to do that to be able to promise us one thing and give us more, um, whether it be like help at the stage level, like yeah. bringing all of our instruments up on stage, or or pay scale, or or anything. It always seemed like you guys always went above and beyond to make sure that the musicians there were comfortable and that's yeah. i mean thank you for that for sure because that's right. not always the way it goes and maybe it's just because you're uh, as a musician yourself um i help know run the event i i i have i i think i know what's expected of us as stage crew because i am a musician and you know and some guys are uh, and i tell the guys that are helping uh, ryan and deb and tyler and everybody that don't grab anything if you don't think they want your picking it up yeah you make sure that everything's every musician's fine with with everything and yeah because i mean some stuff does cost quite a bit of money yeah so i know that if you know if i had my good donahoe kit and some 13 year old kid picked it up and dropped it off the side of the stage i'd be a little bit in the oh my gosh oh man a little bummed out (laughs) nice soft way to put it for sure (laughs) so anyway yeah we we try to keep it professional it's a free show we do expect donations because that's how we that's how we put it on but just paying the bands, we're we're putting out like four thousand dollars. Yeah, between it, bands and sound, and almost five thousand with sound. Yep, and you know, you think about it. That's it's not a free show. No, it's not. And uh, that's not counting any food. Yep, not counting any of the lights and and uh, things like that are being put up. It's not counting any of the. Uh, the repairs to the stage that we make during the year or and you guys don't do alcohol sales there it's just bring we your sell. it's, nope, it's, we it's don't bring sell your that. own it's bring your own yep. so that's that's i mean you guys i mean it would be a big hassle probably to try to get an alcohol sale in a public park i mean that would probably be just insane because you'd yeah. have to close the place and yeah we've uh, never even uh, to my knowledge i don't think they've even that would be a lot it. of red tape to go through so it's i mean it's not like you guys it's exactly like we were talking about. You're not out just to make a quick buck on anybody. You're no, out there we're not. We're not there to sell anything. No, we're there to have fun, and and entertain some people, in hopes that they enjoy it and they kick back so that we can entertain next year's crowd. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to say, I never went to one until I think the seventh one, and then I went to every one since then. It's one of those deals where you don't really realize how how fun it is until you go to one. Yep. Um, it's not. 
and Humboldt's kind of a small town, so there's not really too much options for going to a show like that in in this town or even in the area around it. I guess like the next closest thing might be a street <laughs> dance, yeah. or maybe even going to a bait, which then you're talking about um, no longer family entertainment. So, no. so. But you know, it's odd that Livermore can have a street dance and get a thousand people on the street um, for a for a very good band. They you know they yes. have Vic, Vic Ferrari come in there. They're a great band. Oh yeah, and people know who they are. Yep. Um, we don't have that kind of budget. Yep. So we're trying to put in, you know, put four or five local bands together and do that. And, you know, like you said, even to start the show at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, there's 150, 200 people out there. Already there, yeah. Already there. Yep. You know, they've had their barbecue for lunch and, and just crawled out of the tent at 10 o'clock, 11 yep. o'clock in the morning. Because some people are camping there the whole weekend. Yeah. What weekend is that? Um, it is Labor Day weekend, and it happens on the Sunday afternoon right before Labor Day. Yeah, I was going to say. We also, on Saturday night, throw together, we have a band on the, one single band. Yep. Um. Sometimes we have it a country band. This year was country again. Last year we had rock and roll, riddled with class. Riddled with it. class, yep. Um, and then uh, Saturday night we have the band, and we do a shrimp boil. Yep. And, of course, we expect donations with that too. But, hey, it's 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 a real thing. They do the whole thing. They pour it out on the table, and you come in, you pick what you want. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's good. And, of course, Sunday is the, the big throwdown. And this year by sunday afternoon at four o'clock i was so dog tired i couldn't hardly take it oh i can imagine i already put in two hard days and it was only sunday afternoon yep yeah i mean that that's a really big show because there's it's man all the musicians it's like wrangling cats you know it's just yeah it's not like we're all that crazy or none of us show up on time but it's it is kind of an adventure i'm sure because i mean that's one thing for a band, you know, a four-piece band has four different guys that come in so four different vehicles at four different times. Yep. And the next band is five-piece, and it's five different guys, five different vehicles, five different times. And the next band is a three-piece. It's three different guys. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Four bands, 20 different musicians, 20 different vehicles I got to park back there, 20 different equipment pieces I got to get up and down the stage. Mm-hmm. It's not like, um, it's not like it's just four bands. It's 20 or 25. I think I counted this year. Between Friday and Saturday night, we had like 36 musicians on the stage. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's 36 guys that that otherwise would have been sitting around with their thumb up their ass. Exactly. And, I mean, you are giving, I mean, not just just the people around the area something to do, uh, i.e. going to a concert, but you're giving the people that play music around the area something to do and also to strive for because, like, I mean, like, to be honest, (laughs) I thought it would be pretty cool to play up there. And then you asked me the one year and we had to do a little adjusting, but we put that blues stuff together a couple years back. And that was, I mean, that was such a treat. It was such a treat, especially on, like, short notice and and to have pay guaranteed already. I mean, it's... And and not only do we have bands, but we have what, what I call our segue groups. Which yes. for years has been uh, the Great Lakes Hybrids. Yep. Uh, Aaron Webbink and his guys, uh, uh, Zach and the guys, they've come up and they've done half hour s- stints um, just because they want to get up and play music in front of people. Mm-hmm. And we'd, we'd kick them a few bucks each time. Well, this this last year, it, Aaron wasn't positive he wanted to do it and couldn't get all the guys together. So he came up and did the first one. And um, I don't know whether he got sick or, but he kind of he left. Uh, went home, had something else going on. So luckily, Chris Carr was there. Yeah. And I said, "Chris, come up and play some music," and he was uh, was also ecstatic to just come up and do it. Exactly. And, uh, I think I think Pablo might have kicked in a little bit for him at the end, uh-huh. um, because we appreciated it. But to have the Cosmic Brownies do our segues yep. between you know 
the way we do it is, uh, you know, we'll have a band on for an hour or two hours, and then we have a 30-minute break. Um, and in that break, I get somebody local up there to play some acoustic music or something while we're doing the stage change. Yep. Setting up sound and setting up equipment and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next band plays for an hour and a half. Then I do another segue or a acoustic yep. thing. Yep. So that was originally what you were hired to do two years ago. Yep. Uh, actually, it was, a, it was an opening segue or whatever it was yep. to kind of warm the crowd up. Yep. And, uh, you know, as a, as a musician or as a drummer, you told me what you were going to do with the with the tracks behind them, thinking, oh, crap, what have I done? Uh, yeah, somebody, no. somebody with a drum in a box. It's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it actually... I'm, I'm out there thinking, this shit's pretty goddamn good. He knows... I mean, you knew what you, you, knew what you were doing. Yeah. I'd, I never expected what you what you gave us that first year. Believe it or not, I used that... Uh, as I just used a Digitech Trio, but that's what I learned, for the most part, to, to learn with. I was too embarrassed to play yep. um, in public with anyone else, and I didn't know how to ask anyone the right questions uh, to learn things. So I would play backing beats and backing tracks to myself and play yep. in my basement. And then this year's story was we had three bands booked and I needed a fourth band and I, I, was, I was struggling. I couldn't come up with a fourth band. I couldn't find anybody. Yep. Um, the, I was trying to get the rock. Pardon me. <coughs> pardon me for that. I was trying to get the Barrel House Rockets and, and they hadn't confirmed. And, and uh, I'd mentioned to Yuma about maybe doing a, a segue, the two-piece thing again. And, Mm-hmm. And then with, within like 36 hours, I get a call from the, the that, that Aiden that did Dawn Patrol. Yep. He says, yeah, can I come play at your thing? I'm like, well, shit, yeah. We can, you know, we like, that's what we like to do is, that's another thing of it. We like to get give raw some, talent yep, to start the show. Give them an opportunity. So we had them coming. That evening, Barrel House Rockets called me. Yeah, we'll come up and do the deal. So I'm at five bands. Yep. And then you send me in text. Say, hey, I got a band put together. I'm thinking, wait a minute, band? Yeah. You were supposed to be doing a two-piece. Yeah. So I, I said, yeah, bring them on. I went from four. I went from three bands to six in a matter of about nine hours. That's crazy. And then I had to find room for you. you know? Yeah. I mean, I like doing the whole band in a box thing. And it's, it is kind of a, kind of unique, but I also feel like it's kind of good. I don't want the band in a box anymore. Yeah. I want the stockyard. <laughs> yeah, I... I I liked it, but I, like I said, I just feel like it was kind of gutted compared to like a whole band experience, you know. Yeah. But no, the stockyard came out, and uh, what was it? You just got paid today or something? What was the ZZ yeah. Top? Uh, yeah, we uh, gots to get paid. Gots to first. get paid. Yeah, the one of the guys from the Barrel House Rockets even said like, "Man, that's from the that's from ZZ Top's new album. That's yeah. awesome. I can't believe somebody's playing a song." And that the Nugent tune was what, what caught my ear. Yeah, that Storm Stormtroop, and I I handpicked that song, and I I've oftentimes said like, regardless of Ted Nugent, uh, he's I love his stuff. It it's definitely punch you in the mouth uh, rock and roll from yep. like the seventies, and it was. I love that song. It seemed like it was, uh, for the most part, pretty simple and uh, really rocking. So I, yeah, you I guys mean, kicked ass, uh, and, and it set the bar pretty high for the Rockets to cover too. So and oh man, th- those guys were so sweet. I went back to my car, put a bunch of stuff away, and I actually stayed and watched most of their set, not their entire set, but most of it before I left to take it. You know, I had to go yeah. take a shower and clean myself up because I'd been out there sweating all day. But uh, yeah, so. That rock and picnic show is definitely one of my favorite things. It's like a diamond in the rough out here because. Yep. And you wouldn't believe, we think everybody, you know, oh man, how can anybody, you know, everybody knows about it, and you come to town and say the the what the rock and what? Yeah. The rock and picnic people that that listen to music. Yeah. I have no clue what that is. Mm-hmm. Well, I know for a fact. I've talked to you three years in a row about it. You know. Exactly. Uh, and I, I always wonder if there's like a certain way you can go about getting more um, exposure in in the town about it, um, other than like. Like the only other thing you could think of is like, 
Well, we had an article in the paper this year, the yeah. week of. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got posters all around town at all your local convenience stores, and it's hard to <coughs> it's hard to do anything more. We have a sign out on the out on the four way rock yep. and picnic. You know, I, I don't know how. Um, what what other media is there that we can use to get to people? Um, other than asking for sponsorship, maybe. I'm. We've thought about asking, going around local businesses and see if they can all kick in. You know. Yeah, hundred bucks, five hundred bucks. I mean, you know, whatever. I guess at a situation, then you're somewhat at the whim of whoever's sponsoring the event, correct? Too, and that is what the committee itself has had trouble. Pardon me, have had troubles buying into is if you get somebody that says that you know the kicks in five hundred bucks. Now we do have sponsors. Yeah, we've got people that kick in um, uh, outrageous amounts of of time and and effort and and even cash. A few of them, but it's because they want to be there. Yeah, and they know that the picnic is there, and they they come out and do it. We don't want to come to local businesses and say, "Hey, can you give us five hundred dollars?" And then once they give us the cash or give us a thousand bucks, they give us the cash. Then they say, "Well, we need you to do this for us." Yeah, or we need you to announce this, or we need you to exactly. um, You know, uh, we don't want to be working for anybody else. This is the rock and picnic. Yeah, not. Humboldt's Brand X Rock and Picnic. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I totally get that too. I've debated doing sponsors on the podcast a couple times, and I've I've fielded a few offers, but some of them are either so so low it's not worth my time to have the liability of answering to somebody else, or somebody that wants too much from me for yep. the amount they're going to give me. So I've so far I've just said no. But sponsorship would be kind of a tough deal to deal with. Um, well, I'll tell you what though, if we do decide to go that way and maybe you know who knows we get some new we are you know thinking about maybe some new blood on the committee i don't know we've got some people in mind that we'd like to bring in but um you know if if we were to start getting some sponsorship i would think that you know that that obviously would would allow us to hire bigger name bands yeah um obviously we we, we're not anywhere near a zz top caliber but no yeah we're not even in a hairball caliber yeah yeah shit those guys are getting 15 18 grand a night yep we can't do that. Yep. I mean, justifiable too. Those guys are pretty awesome. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, maybe if if we get some sponsorships, we'll, you know, in the future, that would allow us to do a bigger show. But a bigger show means more people. Yeah. More people means more security. Have you ever thought about trying to? And this is nothing against the way that it's run, but uh, increase the social media presence of the Rock and Picnic because um, most people these days are going to Facebook pages, and that's mm-hmm. run by a Facebook group. And I feel like a lot of people are less likely to join a group than like a page. Is it just a group? I think there's a page too, though. I'm not sure there is a page, but I I am in the Rock and Picnic group, and I feel like that's where most of the stuff I've seen gets shared. And uh, if it's not, you definitely have to share it with me, and I'll share okay. it. Okay. Well, the, we'll do some looking. I'll share it in the uh, comments section below somewhere because right. I I will have a a pretty big, pretty lengthy description for you and all your bands. Do all your bands have social media presence at all? I know Chris Carr band does. Chris Carr does. Ned, he does Ned, his own. I've set up a Facebook page for Ned Freely, Ned Freely and Seldom Seen. Yep. Okay. Um, I don't... You know how busy I am. I don't get yeah. to update them very often. Exactly. But, uh, uh, usually if I've got a job coming up, I go out and try to post it, but I haven't done it with this week's... Um, I spent this last weekend... Uh, I had a had a group from Jackson, Minnesota that does a like a Christmas country Christmas opera show or something like that. Yeah. And um through I, I knew a guy that knew a guy that knew who I was and they called me to come do that and Oh nice. And it's nice to be 
picked out out of a yeah you know out of a they knew 20, 20 guys that could do it and they chose me so that's pretty sweet you know and that's the one thing I was going to go back to is uh, I was playing with Chris one night back at uh, not to jump subject but no it's cool I was playing it. with Chris down at um used to be Pee Wee's Pub which is now Patty's Pub yep. And I think still it was has, uh, I think it was Pee-wee's Jeremy Ober's floor. Jeremy Ober a brutal pup brutal I think it was Jeremy had a uh, like a CD opening or a CD release party. Yep. And he invited Chris and the band to come down and play an hour, so we did that. And and I remember talking to um, uh, who's the drummer for uh, Blue Ribbon Ramblers, uh, Caleb. I don't know. I'm uh, sorry. Anyway, Caleb, I'm sorry about your last name, but anyway. I want. I remember that night I was up at the bar and and kind of talking with him and he, and I, I said, man, I, I, I not only am I the third or even fourth best drummer in the band. Yeah, there's three other drummers in the band better than me. <laughs> um, not only that, but there's 25 drummers in in Central Iowa or 15 in the town of Fort Dodge that would do better in this, you know, are better than me and would do better in this gig. And Caleb says to me, I think it was Caleb. He says, dude, there's 20 people in town that want that gig and you got it yeah and there's got to be a reason for it yeah it's so i mean they're just not just going to give it away to anybody yeah and, and that, like i said i i try to try to stay humble and uh i'm the first one to tell you i ain't very good yeah i mean there's got to be a balance between um being humble and believing in yourself though um, i mean i've had i've had confidence problems all my life yeah you know when it comes to uh how good or how how much better other guys are. Exactly. You know, somebody, five times a week I get somebody sending me a text or something on Facebook. Hey, watch this video. Watch this kid drumming or watch this old lady. Or, and I, I always reply, yet another drummer better than me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, uh, I, I didn't share it publicly, <laughs> but I found uh, it's been going around on Facebook. There's a meme that is uh, somebody that's crowd surfing, and then there's a guy standing on top of him and playing the guitar while... So there's a guy crowd surfing and a dude yep. standing on him like he's a surfboard. And it said, that, uh, this is me skating on the achievements of my fellow bandmates because I'm the <laughs> least talented member in my band. And so I sent that to everybody in all my bands this morning. I said, hey, you know, have a good week, everybody. This is uh, somebody took a picture of me at the last show we played. And yep. <laughs> so I always felt pretty humbled to be around some pretty talented musicians. Well, I'm, too. Uh, I'm nobody could be any luckier than luckier than I am. I mean, to have the Chris Carr gig. Um, you know the 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 wealth of the talent there. The between Bruce Borchers as guitar, I mean, he makes that thing cry. Yeah, it's awesome. He does, and and Jeff is one of the greatest singers I know. Um, mm-hmm. Chris is phenomenal. But here's the deal: Chris is a drummer. Yep. Started out as a drummer. Yep. And I, I'm embarrassed to even watch him play. It's just it's humiliating. He's so, He's good. so good. Yeah. And, and and Brad, I knew Brad as and when he was in high school, I. <laughs> New Brad when I was in high school, I won't go any further than that. But um I didn't know he played bass. Yeah. And when Brad or when Chris called me and said, Yeah, Brad our bass player is Brad Strickland, I'm thinking, What? Yeah. No. Brad who? Yeah. You know, and then as far as uh, you know, Ned Freely goes, I've uh Jack Diamond is a phenomenal guitarist. Um and we got Steve Curry. Steve Curry, almost every band I've ever played in, he's been with us, you know. Uh Steve Curry's amazing. Yeah. I still remember the first time I saw him was at that uh you know, Steve's good on guitar. But he is great on the bass. You think? I know. I've, I've never seen it. So. I know it. He plays bass with Ned. We, he does a guitar on a few songs, but he's more of a uh, of a bass player. I, he's really? so solid, and he knows his riffs and runs. And hmm. and uh, uh, Eldon Landolt, been friends with Eldon since I was fifteen. Um, and Donnie Wagner, one of Donnie and Eldon. 
obviously Curry was in the first group I played with when I was when I couldn't drive. Yeah. But Donnie and Eldon, when I was 16, I got a call from somebody that said, hey, we're going to play the, we need a drummer for this band. I said, oh, yeah, I can do that. And then they said, yeah, two of them are going to play trumpets. <laughs> and I thought, what? Fantastic. Yeah. It was great. It was, uh, it was, uh, it, what it was, was it was the, the Shimmons from Gilmore uh, and, and Eldon Landolt and Donnie Wagner. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I ever met these guys. And we went down and practiced in some garage or whatever and, and of course, I was 16. I was just, you know, yep, all around. Yep, shit. Yep. It's a it's a little bit of a boom cha with mostly fills yeah. in between everything. Yeah. So, and we named the band for a one night only show. It was called the Guts Galore Fun Band. <laughs> Why? I don't. Is it that's just, what it was. We were what ended, Guts Galore, and we went out and played one show. That's what it ended up being. It was fantastic. That's awesome. Good times. Well, I'll tell you what, we got like. I'm sorry. Two, two hours in. You'll now? have to you'll have to edit this out. I'm no, sorry. no, we're not going to do any editing. As a matter of fact, I had debated splitting this up, and I don't even think I'm going to split it up. I Every- think we're about a 145 right now. Everyone's just going to have to deal with it. Let's do a quick recap. So we uh, you got Chris Carband. You're the drummer in the Chris Carband. Yep. And then you got Ned Freely Fun Band. Correct. You're the, you're the drummer in there. I guess you're the drummer in all these, but you also sing in the Ned Freely. Ned Fun Freely, Band. I, I carry. Uh, uh, it, like I said, I don't. It's not my band by any means. It's our band. Yep. But uh, it makes me so happy to be have to have, to have so much responsibility. Yes. You know, uh, and I know that if if something were to happen to me, they would have trouble. There are drummers that could do it. Chris yes. could go down and do it. Oh yeah. But. Um, you're trying to make yourself indispensable to the band. Well, I'm not trying to. I just. Yeah. I, it's a good feeling. Yeah. You know, knowing that. Like I said, it's not my band; it's our band. Yeah, but definitely. Well, I sure do like having to getting to sing all that all night. Long. Oh, I bet. So then you got uh, seldom seen, which yep. was the band that you've probably been with the longest, I yep. guess. Cart. That's just the country boys. Yep. Uh, Fabulous Uniques, which you are in the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, I am with them. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks to them, dude. Yeah, I mean, you've played in a plethora of other bands. We've touched on a handful of them over the last uh, couple hours. Do you got anything you want to promote uh, other than some shows? I I did have a note down here for jam nights. You were doing some jam nights here. Yeah, and there. we did. Uh, we we there used to be the jams in Havelock that kind of fell by the wayside when the bar closed a couple of years ago. And, and I've been dealing with uh, or talking with Sarah up at the Red Lantern in in uh, Bode, and we did put one together for the last night of October, last Friday of October. Yep. Um, and I, I plan to do it again, but it might be January before I get to it because I've got things going. It's going to be gonna be like a last Friday of the month thing. But I know November and December are both booked up busy for me. Yeah. Now, I could, if somebody's interested and wants to do it, give me a call and I'll help you set it up, but I just won't be there. I, yeah. I just wish my uh, library of known music was wider to be able to go to more of these things. Cause I you c- just got to come along and, 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 and find somebody else in the group that knows the progressions and can help you out with, you know, GCD or whatever it is yep. and, and uh, strum along. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that I can't just play along because i can just like watch someone and follow along but it's i like to have stuff like written down in front of me and even least. if you if you didn't come to play come to listen to yeah. see what you're getting into exactly you know? and I know the next time well yeah i could probably pull off some of that i also feel like that's a lot of it you should probably just go and and watch it once just to know because it's not that they're going to play the same songs next week but they're going to play the same handful or style of songs yep. the next week because it's going to be the same guys leading the jam session and well and that's with the with this jam I probably I might pick some of the same guys for the second time we do it but I know there's three or four other guys that I want to call that get involved obviously I got you know uh, 
20 or 30 guys that I know that would be happy yeah. to, to do the bass part or the guitar part or the drum part, you know, and, uh-huh. and I don't even have to be there. <laughs> uh, I just kind of would like to get something going again. And and for me, it's just a, it's a release. It's a, it, I don't have a band that I'm playing with currently that I can do. It's a long way to the top if you're going to rock and roll. Yeah. But I, uh, I have, I've tried to attempt I have attempted that a couple times with this jam band. We did it in Pokey a year ago, or whatever. But that's the kind of thing I could, I get to do. Bob Seger, Sunspot Baby, and yep. uh, songs, uh, uh, ACDC, uh, uh, all night long. You know, show yep. me all night long. Things like that that you don't get to normally play in a band. And I yell the guys, hey, we're gonna, uh, you know, we're gonna do this. And a couple of days beforehand, I'll send a. Um, I'll send a like a uh, MP3 or a link on YouTube or something like that. Say, so, hey, I would like to try this Friday yep. night. So, hey, it's all good and fun. So you got the uh, the show with Chris Carban coming up on the that would be the Wednesday w- night before Thanksgiving. Yeah, Actually, this coming Friday night, which this pod won't come out till end of the week or next it'll, week. It'll come out. It'll come out Thursday. This this Thursday. So all, all of right. the all these shows will be. All, all these right. dates will be current still. Well, this Friday night, the sixteenth, we'll be at the Red Lantern in Bode, Iowa. That's Chris Carban. That is the Ned Freely Fun Ned Band. Ned Freely. All right. Then then you had a Saturday show with them. And then as well. I've got a Saturday show with the Ned Freely Fun Band at the Algona VFW. Ooh. It's a dance club that's booked us up there. Oh man, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um the twenty first was your Chris Carr band yeah. show as Night well. Night before Thanksgiving. And that's that's it, because uh yeah, there's no fabulous unique shows or uh seldom nope. seen shows coming up in the direct near future. Dude, thanks a lot for coming and uh, doing the podcast. You're gonna I, have a lot of people call in and say, "Dude, that sucked." Uh, tell them to deal with it because that's uh, it's just the way it's gonna be. I I do like doing these podcasts because I I want everybody to just kind of get down and and learn about who else is in the music scene because so many people stick so tight to their circles and I don't ever feel like I fit into a circle. So I always try and just do my best to pick out the people from the circles I like and. And, you know, as I'm dipping my toe into these other people's circles, maybe I can figure out some other people to interview from their circles. It's been kind of fun. Like, uh, I I interviewed a guy from Perry that I bought some gear from. Yep, that was Ben, that ben Christopher. That was a great podcast. And uh, and he was obviously a, a very heavy metal yes. kind of guy. Yep. And, and that was, you know, obviously he would have no interest in listening to my podcast. But uh, but I made it through his thinking. Well, I don't really understand all that, but I'm you know I got good information out of ex- it. You know? Exactly. Uh, and you know from his, I I learned about Transig, and Transig was another band, and yep. then I learned about Eric Tran, the guy that kind of makes all that and put it on. And I might do a podcast with him soon. So I've I've done my fair share. It's like fun to get to network with people. Plus, I get to ask the questions I'd be too embarrassed to ask anyways. Because I mean, how many times have I cornered you and asked you about your life? Probably mm-hmm. never, because that's how talkative I am. Yep. So. So this actually gives me an opportunity to get you know sit down with you and, and learn a little bit. So well, I'm glad you're you're doing it. Uh, it's you know I've I've had fun listening to, like I said I've listened to five of the seven or eight that you've done. A um, couple of them I didn't I didn't know the gentleman and I haven't had found time to go listen to it. But when I saw you did Nick, yep. I thought well shit I'm I'm driving to Des Moines last Saturday we got to listen or Friday night and I put it on we'll listen to that all the way yep. down. Yeah, it was very entertaining. Dude, Nick's was so good. It was like. You know, dark horse good and it that was, was honesty is what it was he yeah told, he told the story and it, yeah and I, I do feel like it's pretty awesome that he just kind of sat down and told how he felt about certain things as opposed to just giving a one-word answer because yep. you know i feel like <coughs> i don't know like when he was talking about emotional attachment to instruments 
and sometimes you take to yeah. certain ones and sometimes you don't take to other ones as well and i mean every, every one of us has gone through that yep. it's kind of a crazy thing it's almost like when you hear seinfeld tell a joke you're like yeah i do i do always think like what is the deal with those <laughs> airplane peanuts you know and, yeah. and that was a good podcast you know and everybody's got some of those things and i never think i can't think about all this stuff you know so it's kind of nice to sit down with people and get their own perspective well i gave you no good sound bites but I gave you the story. Well, I'm not going to do any sound bites, but if anybody else wants to snag sound bites, go for it. That'd be that'd yeah. be fun. Like I said, my 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 musical background is different than anything you've interviewed so far. Um, I apologize to everybody if it's been too boring or too long. Yeah. Um, well, but that's that's who I am. That's my story. Yeah, I so. appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks again. This is going to be the uh, end of the podcast. So thank you. Have a great night. Hey, many thanks to everybody that listened to that whole podcast. That was a great one. We sat down. We talked about a whole bunch of things. We had debated ending the podcast, and then we realized we had some more stuff we wanted to talk about, so we just kept talking about it. Uh, I mean, I don't know if every podcast is going to be that long. Maybe they all should be. Uh, what does everybody think? I've heard some people wanted longer podcasts, and uh, some people dug the shorter podcasts but wanted me to do more of those. So, I mean, I'm just kind of putting them out as, as they come out. I do very little editing to everything, but, I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes, so... Uh, thanks everybody for listening. I mean, I'm pulling in a lot of listeners from around the area. I never really foresaw this happening. I uh, recently networked with the podcast IA people. Uh, the IA stands for Iowa, but they have a network of a handful of Iowa podcasters on a website, and I'm now in the directory for that. So thank you guys. Appreciate that very much. I do actually have a show coming up this weekend. If you didn't listen to the last podcast, I did mention it, but I will mention it again. I have a show with Unity coming up this weekend, and let's see, let's see, that's uh, Saturday, November 17th, Raven is going to be at the Vaudeville Muse, there's going to be some opening bands, the opening bands are going to be Alter Within, Burn the Ailment, and Unity, and I will be playing with Unity on that show, so come check it out, it's going to be a great show, I've heard the other bands before, they're all awesome, so come check that out, it's going to be a good time. Uh, I hope to see everybody this weekend. Otherwise, I'm going to be at that Generation Axe show on Sunday in Des Moines because that show is going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, if you're not going to be able to make it to one of those shows, check out one of Scott Dahl's shows. He's playing a couple shows this weekend. Those are going to be great, too. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I just want to say I never I never foresaw everybody taking to this as well as they are. Uh, I, I just really appreciate it. I just want everybody to... I just want to give back, I guess, is the only thing. So uh, I, once again, appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'll catch you next time.